Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. And we are going to begin with a special council meeting in closed session. And I would like to ask our city clerk, Laura Weisinger, to please uh, call the roll. Vice Mayor Dasag. Here. Councilmember Soraya Spencer. Present. Jensen. Here. Mayor Ezzy Ashcraft. Here. Or present. Thank you. And uh, next we move on to public comment on closed session items only. Do we have any public comment on closed session items, Madam Clerk? We do not. With that, I will close public comment on closed session items, and we will adjourn to closed session to consider the following items, item singular, <laughs> that I would like to ask the city clerk to please introduce for us. Conference of Legal Council, existing litigation pursuant to government code section 54956.9. The case name is Mario Gonzalez et al. versus City of Alameda et al. Court is United States District Court, Northern California, Northern District of California, sorry. Case number 421CV09733 DMR and case name Edith Arianales versus City of Alameda et al. in the U.S. District Court, Northern District of California. Case number E422CV00718. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And now we, the council and staff will adjourn to um, closed session, and it is our every intention to be back before you, before the public at 7 p.m. So stay tuned. Thanks. For Tuesday, June the 20th, 2023, the council has just returned from closed session. And um, I would like to ask our city clerk, Laura Weisinger, to please announce um, action, if any, that was taken in closed session. Um, so regarding the uh, closed session item, which was uh, a conference with legal counsel on existing litigation on a um, two cases, uh, the staff provided information and counsel provided direction uh, unanimously by five eyes. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And so with that, I will adjourn the special session, the um, closed session of the City Council, and I will call the um, special joint meeting of the City Council and the successor agency to the Community Improvement Commission to order. And we will start with the Pledge of Allegiance, and I would like to ask our Council colleague, Tracy Jensen, to please lead us in the pledge. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Please stand and face the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Council Member Jensen. And now we will um, go on to roll call. Madam Clerk? Vice Mayor Dayson? Here. Council Member Sora Spencer? Present. Jensen? Here. Bella? Here. Mayor Eziascraft? Here. Five present. All right. So th this again is the special successor agency meeting and we have a consent calendar. Items are routine and will be approved by one motion um, and members of the um, audience can speak for up to two minutes on the entire consent calendar um, which consists of the minutes of the last meeting. So with that, do we have any speakers on the consent calendar, on the special joint meeting consent calendar? We do not. Okay, so we'll close. That and um, I need a motion uh, from council to approve move the approval. move approval from Councilmember Jensen, seconded by Vice Mayor Desog. All in favor, signify by stating aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstentions? That motion carries. Okay, so now we move on to the regular agenda items. Madam Clerk, if you would first um, introduce the um, item three A. 
Adoption of resolutions reappointing Carly Grove as a member of the Housing Authority Board of Commissioners and Hanson Hom as Teresa Ruiz as members of the Planning Board. Um, and so this is an item that requires a vote of approval from the council. And first, I just want to say I'm so grateful to all of our appointees to our boards and commissions who um, volunteer their time and their talent. We have really talented board and commission members. And in this particular case, we just happen to have three incumbents who are all reappointed. That's not the case universally because I've appointed a lot of new people too. You'll hear some names later in the agenda. But anyway, for right now, thank you so much for the hard work. And these are two really hardworking um, boards and commissions, the Housing Authority Board of Commissioners and the Planning Board. So um, do we have any speakers on this item? We do not. All right. Um, do we have Madam um, Councilmember Harris-Spencer? So moved. Thank you. I have a motion by Councilmember Harris-Spencer. Second. Seconded by Councilmember Vela. All those in favor, please um, signify by stating aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstain? That motion um, uh, passes unanimously. And Madam Clerk, I think you have a role to play here. Amazing, yes. <laughs> so um, we have two members uh, remote, Carly, and um, I will promote them, and Teresa, and then we have one in person, and we'll go ahead and um, do the oath of office. So, because if, if I understand correctly, we even have members, appointees who are traveling on vacation and they're joining us remotely. Yes. Talk about dedication. <laughs> That's correct. Thank you. Uh, oh, no. Hello? It looks like... <laughs> Oh wait, no, that it looks like they're coming. Oh. I think they, Is it on? oh, I just need them to show up if the cable studio staff can let them, oh, it looks like they're coming, okay. And then Mr. Hom, if you can come on up. Okay, so this is Hanson Hom. He's reappointed from the, uh, to the planning board. And then Teresa Ruiz, and also of the planning board, and Carly Greb, Housing Authority Board of Commissioners, will be joining us shortly. Do we, look at that. Hi, Carly. <laughs> Hi there. Please grab, I guess, we're in a meeting. Can, uh, cable studio staff, can you get Teresa? I promoted her as well. I'm the mayor. Yes, I'm oh. here and council members. Oh, oh okay. wonderful. We just couldn't see you. Okay, great. Welcome. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I'm in, no. I'm in East Coast, so. No um, problem. <laughs> okay, if you'll all raise your okay, right hand. <laughs> Do you solemnly swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California and that you'll well and faithfully discharge the duties upon which you're about to enter? Congratulations. Yes. Thank, yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you all. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and to both of you, thank you again for saying yes to our request to serve another term. We appreciate you. All right. Okay, that's the benefit of a hybrid meeting, among others. All right, so let's see. Where were we? Okay, Madam Clerk, will you introduce item 3B, please? Yes. Um, okay. 3B is a public hearing to establish Proposition 4 appropriations limit for fiscal year 23-24 and adoption resolution establishing the appropriations limit. Okay, and um, is that you, Finance Director O'Brien? We have an awesome finance director, Margaret O'Brien. Um, but council, does anyone have any questions or comments on this item? And Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment? Uh, we do not. Okay. Um, any questions or comments, or does anyone want to entertain a motion? I'll move approval. We have a motion by Councilmember Jensen to approve this item. Uh, second. 
Second by the Vice Mayor. Vice Mayor Daysock seconds. All those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 Any opposed, any abstentions? Hearing none, that motion passes unanimously. Thank you, Council. All right, moving on to item 3C. Adoption of resolutions of pointing and approving and adopting the City of Alameda operating and capital budget for fiscal years 23, 24, and 24, 25, and approving and adopting the successor agency to the Community Improvement Commission budget for those years. And adoption of resolution approving workforce changes and amending the Management and Confidential Employees Association and Alameda City Employees Association salary schedule in the fiscal years. And adoption of resolution authorizing the city manager to execute all documents uh, with the Alameda County Transportation Commission to accept 567,000 in grant funding to design the Lincoln Avenue Marshall Way Pacific Avenue Corridor Improvement Project. This one we would like a staff report on, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Margaret O'Brien, City's Finance Director. So on May 2nd and May 4th, staff presented a proposed fiscal years 23-25 operating budget and capital improvement program budget. Uh, we solicited input from the city council, staff, and the community members. The budget presented for adoption tonight incorporates the direction from the city council received at those meetings. Um, so just a quick reminder, overall, uh, the city remains in a strong financial position due to significant residual fund balance and stable property tax revenues. Operating revenues fully cover operating expenditures, including both baseline and new requests. The biennial budget is tight due to a number of factors resulting in increased expenditures, as well as conservative revenue forecasting due to uncertain macroeconomic um, and development market conditions. The budget before you also includes use of substantial use of substantial residual fund balance to cover capital improvement program. Well, we lost that. Can you advance it? Nope. I should not be allowed to use a clicker. <laughs> and other one-time expenses. Um, so let's just go with. Uh, additionally, the proposed budget includes key investments in the city council identified priori priority areas, including house all Alamedans, expand and housing, expand housing and human services. Um, this budget is shifting resources currently housed in the Community Development Department. Now we will be calling it the Base Reuse and Economic Development Department right. to the City Manager's Office for improved program management and addition of and addition of one full-time equivalent FTE management analyst to improve service and delivery capacity. This budget also builds on resilience to climate change and water level rise. It's allocating 200,000 to update the Climate Action Resiliency Plan and groundwater analysis, plus significant capital projects funded by grants. And transferring the Climate Action and Resiliency Division from the City Manager's Office to the Planning and Building and Transportation Department to consolidate grant funding sources and facilitate project delivery. This budget will also enhance community and service and safety expending $4.6 million for public safety vehicle replacement and outdated communications and rescue repla equipment replacement. It invests in transportation and infrastructure, appropriating $1.25 million investment to implement the American with Disabilities Act, project plan, $1 million in the Civic Center garage safety improvements, and city building safety improvements in the amount of $2.5 million in year one and $2.7 million in year two. And finally, it practiced fiscal, fiscally responsible and inclusive governance. 
creating a municipal fiscal resiliency plan to help weather financial challenges and remain fiscally stable over the long term, expanding business and economic development activities, including at Alameda Point, and beginning implementation of the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging plan once approved, um, once approved by the city council. Um, so the general fund budget, after your input, um, the proposed budget is 152.6 million in year one and 140.3 million in year two. See if this works for me. <laughs> no. Um, the all funds proposed budget is 313.2 million in year one and 281.4 million in year two. Can I get another slide? Thank you. Um, and these are the changes that were incorporated. Uh, based on your feedback, we increased the um, WABA and DABA contributions to $40,000 in each year. We added wayfinding for Alameda Point in the, um, for 50,000 in year two. We reduced reimbursement for the Alameda Swimming Pool Association by $15,000 in each year. Um, we increased funding for the financial assistance program at, at the Recreation and Parks Department by $15,000 in each year. And we added maintenance for the Bohol Circle Immigrant Park Space at $4,800 in each year. Um, and I'm going to do the capital improvement um, program, but we do have our, our director behind me ready to jump in and Hello, answer any questions. Hello, Public Works Director Aaron yes. Smith. Yes, be ready. Um, next slide. Next slide again. Thanks. Um, so the proposed CIP for the first year is 72.8 million and year two is 32.3. 12.1 million in grant funding is being utilized over the two year period. This includes 2.63 million in general fund contributions, which is 25% of the total capital improvement program that was, is being proposed. Next slide. Uh, capital improvement program budget uh, by projects you can see we are investing quite a bit in sanitary and sewer and parks and then we move on to building facilities pave, uh, transportation system enhancements pavements and then down to stormwaters and lagoons next slide um, the capital improvement program by funding source that slide looks terrible so I apologize I'm not sure what happened um, but the general fund is contributing 25%, and then you can see the other contributions with sewer services making an equal 25% contribution to the program, with grants coming in at 13%. Next slide. And these incorporated the council's directed changes, um, city buildings, the veterans building, HVAC improvements, uh, adding funding to expedite the planned facility improvements, 102,000 in year one. Parks maintenance at the Bohol Immigrant Circle Immigrant Park Space, 50,000 in year one. And pavement management and pothole repairs, 300,000 in year one. Next slide, please. Um, and then to address um, what we are doing at the Veterans Memorial Building, um, I really don't want to read the slide, so if Erin wants to come up and do it off the top of her head, it's probably a better presentation. On, uh, but um, you can see that we have incorporated a lot into the Veterans Memorial Building. Um, we have uh, annual maintenance includes 167,000 um, in service requests. The current capital plan includes 1.9 million in investments over 10 years. Uh, recent accomplishments include the front facade restoration, lead abatement and paint, women's restroom and restoration project, backwater check valve installation. This is incredibly important. Um, and 
it really is because you do not want the basement to flood. New flagpoles, relining elevator pits is under, currently underway and Wi-Fi installation, which is, current, is nearly done. Uh, next slide. Um, items requested by the veterans group not currently in the capital plan, lighting and electrical systems, including historic chandeliers, plumbing systems, which include hot water in all the bathrooms, bar and kitchen areas, refinishing of wood floors, bar areas, kitchen areas, and restoration of all bathrooms. The planned work is proposed for the 23, excuse me, the 23-25 budget is exterior paint, repave and restripe the parking lot, paint the exterior steel stairs, recarpet veterans' meeting rooms, and heating upgrades. Um, and there may be ADA improvements to the forthcoming transition plan that could be addressed um, with specific ADA funding. Future work will be re-roofing re and repairing windows, to, um, and that'll be about 550,000 in the outer years, and all new interior paint. And with that, we will take questions. All right, thank you very much, Ms. O'Brien. Um, we may have clarifying questions from council, but I imagine we might have some public comment too. So far, none, no. Okay, um, so any clarifying questions? And actually, if there's no public comment, we'll close public comment on item 3C, uh, and we'll just go to council deliberation questions. Council, who, and yes, Ms. Smith, be ready to come up at any time. Um, so um, I, I have a question, um, and it, I do appreciate that you, um, Ms. Smith, you want to come up for this one. Thank you. Uh, this is our Public Works Director, Erin Smith. And um, we heard, I believe it was at the last meeting, um, a comment by members of the um, uh, the American Legion Post and the, some veterans groups about the things that they would like to see um, done to the veterans building and not everything on their list made it here. Um, can you explain what next steps might be? And then also, I believe I forwarded an email to you and City Manager Ott this morning and it was correspondence from Mr. Joe Laparo who's active in that organization. If I'm recalling correctly, did he mention that in Hayward, the Veterans Memorial Building is funded in part by the county, or am I imagining that? And Ms. Ott, just having recently come from the city of Hayward, do you have any? I don't, I okay. don't know that. Apologies for not no, thinking okay. to ask you that sooner. You probably don't know about that either, Ms. Smith. I don't know specifically about Hayward. Okay, and so what could, um, for, for the, um, the folks who use the Veterans Building, of course, as you noted, or as, as was noted in this slide, it's more than just the veterans, but what, what, when can they hope to see some of these other items addressed? Sure. Um, well, good evening, everyone. I'm Aaron Smith, Public Works Director. Uh, nice to be here this evening. Um, so in the slide, there was a, a, an asterisk there that I think was a little bit important to point out. So um, in the email that you forwarded this morning and previous correspondence from various representatives of the Veterans Group, there is a list of things, um, improvements to the buildings that they desire and, and of course, want them now. Um, we have our internal service fund that has a predefined capital plan as we had pr presented um, back in May and feedback from council was to add the heating. Um, and so shown on the, one of the slides uh, that Director O'Brien presented, we are actually doing a number of the items that are on that list. 
for the items, and those will be, some have been done, and those will be done in the next two years that you'll see have the little asterisk. And then further waiting out is the interior painting. And so that's proposed for further year out. Council certainly has um, discretion to fast track. We would need an upfront infusion of dollars to be able to do that, as well as the other list of projects that uh, we're on the veterans group list that aren't in our capital budget right now. Um, honestly, what I suggest is that we do what we have planned in these coming two years and we revisit in the next two year budget. As you see, this capital budget is very aggressive, um, especially for building facilities and we are still staffing up. Um, so after approval tonight, there'll be two new positions in our facilities division. Um, so I think that we execute what we have in the budget um, and we revisit some of these other items um, during the next two-year capital budget. Ms. Smith, I'll tell you the one bullet point that concerns me the most, and it's on the second page of the listing of Veterans Memorial Building, which, um, oh, it's page 13. Um, and this is one of the, the items not currently in the capital plan. It's Plumbing system, which should include hot water in all bathrooms, bar area, and kitchen area. I just consider having hot water in a bathroom, especially in a kitchen, to wash dishes and all that, a matter of sanitation and health and hygiene. And so is that a really complicated um, item that it can't it, tell us about that? Because sure. uh. I do see that there's women's restroom restoration project, but apparently that doesn't include hot water. So, yeah, let me, uh, thank you for the, the question. Um, so the kitchen and the bar are not currently in use. Um, so um, one of the, uh, both of those items are, would be significant investment to get them back to the operating status that they, as they were, um, and ultimately be able to rent them out um, uh, when the veterans group is not using it. That is a bigger, longer term picture, but in the here and now, the kitchen and the bar are not being used. Um, in regards to hot water um, and the women's restroom restoration, um, it would require, um, an, uh, and I have our facilities manager here tonight to talk technically what it would require, um, but it, it would require an overhaul of the plumbing system. So it's a significant investment um, to do. Uh, for the bathroom that was just renovated, that was done, and I'll use my technical term because I think it sounds good, it's due to a water loss, uh, which actually means we had a break in the plumbing and there was water damage, and so instead of just isolating, fixing the damage, we renovated the bathroom at that time which is why that was done without any sort of integration of hot water plumbing. And I think another question had come up is why not all of the restrooms were done. And it was kind of done in, in response to a, a repair. Okay, that's all for me for now. Other council questions, Councilmember Jensen. Um, thank you, Madam um, Chair, Madam Mayor. I, with regard to the hot water though, I, it's my understanding that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration requires that there be hot water in restrooms. Um, I can certainly look that up. I'm not aware of that. Uh, okay. I think that, um, well, I'm looking it up and that's what it says in um, the Code of Federal Regulations. So just be aware of that. And since we do, this isn't just, this is a public space and it's a space for our staff as well. And so for most um, employers, 
which who are regulated by OSHA are required to provide hot water. So um, I appreciate that there is a, a, a great deal of work going on at the Veterans Building and, and that's been long overdue, so I appreciate that, but I think that I would recommend that hot water be included in that, in that work. And I do believe that we will be um, out of compliance with, with some federal requirements if, if that isn't the case. So, and, and that re relates to my other question actually about the Veterans Building. I understand in the capital budget there is some, some um, ADA improvements. And so will, will or can those improvements be, include, be addressing some of the issues at the Veterans Building? Uh, yes, in short, yes. So the ADA transition plan is forthcoming and hope to be um, out in the next six months or so, and that'll have um, a priority uh, ranking of issues to address, and those that are in the Veterans Building can be addressed with the additional ADA funding that Council's considering tonight in the capital budget. Excellent. Well, then, if you could look at that program and, and use those funds as well to make those improvements, that would be great. Happy Thank you. Happy to do that. Councilmember Vela. Just um, not to harp on the, the hot water, um, but just if we could hear a little more on what the, the cost estimates are and, and the process relative to it. We don't have that this evening. We haven't costed out specifically all of the items that aren't in our capital plan but do remain on the veterans group list, but we can certainly look into that and come back to council with that specifics and if it warrants uh, an additional appropriation, we can certainly um, seek that at the time. And, and council can um, can do that. Do I would like to hear from you, um, Director Smith, what we think that timeline would be for that work to come back to us for us to then to, to then consider it and consider the additional appropriation. We can have the work costed over this summer and return in September with an update on what that cost would be. So what I'm hearing from you is that um, this is more of a procedural um, matter rather than a, a that this would be preventing or delaying the work from occurring because we would still have to contract out to get the other work done, that sort of thing, correct? That's correct. Thanks. And I did find the letter from Mr. Laparo, and he does mention that the Veterans Building located at 2203 Central Avenue, this is in Hayward, is on the Nas National Historic List. Um, and the um, that building is maintained and managed by the County of Alameda. So what I would be interested in knowing if staff could find out is there any ability to perhaps get some contributions from, um, from the county towards maintenance of this building? Um, happy to pursue it, but a bit of history. We actually purchased the building from oh, the county. It's the city, um, yeah. I don't have my folder with me, but yeah, um, some decades ago, mm -hmm. um, and that came at uh, a cost for us and then an obligation to continue access for the veterans group to the buildings. Got it, but I'm just gonna add to what my colleagues have said. It is of concern to me that we're not even looking at adding hot water to the restrooms in the next fiscal year. We're happy to return in the fall with that number. That would be great. Other questions and comments, Council? Councilmember Harris-Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, thank you, Director Smith. I wanted to follow up also in regards to this veterans building. I know we have a couple of gentlemen that were here today, and I think that they were planning to speak on this item. Um, 
even though I think they probably turned in their slips for public comment as opposed to this item. Um, but I do think that it's important to also consider um, all of the bathrooms that's on this list as re restoration of all bathrooms. And, and the ADA, I think it is imperative that we have ADA restrooms in compliance at, at all of our buildings. And I agree with the other council members in regards to the hot water issue. Um, but I also think that, um, and it may not be as urgent, but the work for the kitchen and the bar area, I believe, is to make it so that they can have events uh, and actually raise money for their organization to help uh, you know, support the organization and probably the city's efforts. Uh, but then they could also rent out the building. The building cannot be rented out because it doesn't have uh, these things up, up to date. Um, so when, when you're reviewing you know, how to prioritize, I do think, first of all, the ADA and the hot water uh, needs to be addressed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Smith. And by the way, I do recognize that there are a couple of veterans in the audience, but my understanding from the city clerk is that you will speak under oral communication. Or did you? I can do both. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm running the meeting, and I could give you a little latitude. I did call for public comment. I did ask earlier if anybody who wanted to um, make public comment to turn in a speaker slip. But I also give wide latitude to veterans. So would you gentlemen like to comment on this item this evening? Do you, do you want a motion? Come on up. What? Do we want? Do we need a motion for that? Uh, oh, do we need a motion to reopen public but, comment? Uh, no, you're okay. My prerogative. Okay. Yeah. All right. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, to answer your question about the Hayward issue, no, the uh, Veterans Memorial Alameda Veterans Memorial Building is at 2203 Central, just next door here uh, in Alameda. Hayward is uh, run by the County of Alameda, and. Uh, our Veterans Memorial Building was run by the county until 1996 when it was turned over uh, to the city of Alameda. Uh, and the budget items, uh, yes, hot water. Uh, why we don't have hot water? We used to have hot water. We used to have a kitchen with hot water until the city stripped our uh, kitchen and our hot water heater and took it over to the uh, O Club where it obviously wasn't used very well over there either. <laughs> so, because they don't have fun now. But if we did have the kitchen, yeah, it would not only uh, benefit the uh, American Legion, the veterans, but also uh, the city of Alameda. There would be some ROI there if, if you were able to rent out those spaces. And as you're saying, if it's not ADA, then you're not gonna be able to do that. Uh, we invite uh, the sea cadets, we've had uh, you, you probably have attended some of the, the uh, veterans uh, uh, celebrations we had that they have the Alameda High School band play. So there's a lot of things that we can do uh, with that building. Uh, what my my little two minutes, and I wish I could speak as uh, fast as our uh, city council <laughs> clerk. <laughs> but if, uh, if you want to know a little bit of history, let me go through this real quick and then I'll be done. Okay. You have a minute and 13 seconds to talk about whatever you'd like about this particular okay. item. Well, I've already uh, introduced myself, and I'm talking about what I'm representing today is not only the uh, American Legion, but all the veterans in Alameda and about the building. And, of course, you know what? This building was built in 1929. 
It's on our uh, nation's historical list. It's on the uh, California historical list. It's on the Alameda historical list. And it's a shame that we've let it deteriorate to the point that uh, it is now. But I'm hearing today that we've got something going. But a quick history, uh, when it was returned over in 1996 from, uh, from the county to the city, uh, there, there was a resolution 12737 was uh, initiated. And in that, and I quote from that, uh, uh, was that uh, the city of Alameda will not unduly interfere with the continued access and reasonable use of the building to, to veterans. What they did right after that was try to, to eject the veterans from the building, almost like putting our stuff out in the street. Uh, but if you're uh, uh, familiar with Jim Sweeney and Jean Sweeney, they, uh, being lawyers, they stopped that. Thank you so much, and your time is up. Okay. Um, good evening. And okay, do we have another speaker who wishes to speak? We do. There's two. Yeah. Okay. All right. And so um, got to do speed talking here. Uh, um, I've been practicing. I, um, evening. I'm Kurt Winkowski. I am the second vice commander of American Legion Post 647, representing veterans and also veterans groups of Alameda. Uh, I want to thank the council and the mayor for your support so far in and what has been done in restoring the Veterans Memorial Building. However, my motivation here tonight is not just as a veteran, but also as an educator. I am a teacher. To make the city aware of that the importance of the Veterans Memorial Building is actually not just for us veterans, but that we have been collaborating with our youth in various ways and using the space together uh, for events. Some of you have uh, been invited and participated in. Specifically, you know, the last several years we've been holding a Veterans Day concert, an opportunity to collaborate with Alameda High School Music Department. Uh, um, although the point is to honor and provide a ceremony for Alameda veterans, actually the majority of the attendees at these events are high school students and their families so that these events at the building have become a community event. Also, we are partnering with the Sea Cadets, as Commander Owens mentioned, which is a Navy program for preparing young people who are interested in serving in the Navy. We've collaborated with the Sea Cadets for events like the concert, but also they have requested to use the building for their certifications or mastering basic skills and also for their banquets. The building is being used not only for veterans, but also as, American, as an American Legion mandate to partner with the community and youth used by them. In doing our part, we would like the city to do its part, helping us provide a safe, welcoming environment that reflects, reflects pride in our city, honors the legacy of our veterans, and one that showcases the potential of what this beautiful historical building has to offer for the people uh, of this wonderful city of ours. I know I can count on your support. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker? That was the last one. Oh, that was exactly. Okay. Going once, going twice. Is there anybody else who would like to speak on this item? This is our um, uh, operating budget and capital budget for fiscal years 2023, 24, and 24, 25. Oh, we now have a remote speaker. We have a remote speaker. Okay. <laughs> uh, Marilyn Rothman. Welcome, Speaker Rothman. 
uh, hello, it, it's okay to speak on anything having to do with the proposed budget? That's right. Okay, um, let me get to my comments. Um, the, um, the proposed budget provides more sustainable funding for the care team for non-police response to mental health crises, which we strongly support. Um, we're spending about $6 million for police administration alone and over 20% of uh, on the general fund for the police. We request the following, streamline police administration and support services to free up funds that can be invested in meeting community needs. Reduce the number of funded police position, positions. One stated goal of the care team is to reduce the reliance on APD for responding to mental health calls. If work is removed from their scope, they should not need the same number of positions. Also provide funding for continuation and expansion of Alameda's guaranteed basic income program. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker? That was the last speaker. Okay, with that, we are closing public comment on um, item 3C. And council, any further discussion or do I have a motion? I'd like council to continue. Thank, thank yes, you, Mayor. Yes, please. Um, so I wanna thank the uh, veterans that spoke this evening. I appreciate your comments. I wanna follow up then in regards to um, if staff has ideas of how they're going to address the concerns of the ADA uh, bathrooms and other uh, amenities uh, as part of the facility as well as the hot water in the restrooms and the kitchen. I guess I'll just start and then Director Smith if she wants to add anything. But we heard you, I think the direction is that as part of this, the motion, you'll direct staff to explore some of the costs of these items and then come back to you in September. I've already received, we there's some ideas already that some of the department heads are chatting about about how we may be able to do that relatively inexpensively. Maybe there's some trade-offs, we have to push some other things off, but we'll, we just need a little time to do that analysis. But I think if you make that part of the motion tonight as approval of the budget, we'll do that work and come back to you in September. Thank you. And then I also want to ask in regards to the wayfinding signage at Alameda Point as part of year two, uh, $50,000, is there a reason why there's not any allocation for year one? I'll be honest, we are just now implementing the Seaplane Lagoon wayfinding signage. We are down a number of staff. We're trying to bring on a new director. We have a number of items that are, we just have a lot on our plate this year and we're doing additional improvements along um, Saratoga and Pan Am. And so we, we kind of, we just wanted a little more time to figure out, how, you know, what we what's going on out there and make sure we have the staff resources to implement it we already have some of the designs that were done and so it'd be making sure that we've got the right plan making sure we know who the latest tenants are we just wanted a little more time to do that work next year so i appreciate that but i think we've heard from at least one business multiple times and i don't has there been any improvement in the signage for the businesses out at the point 
for that particular business. We are talking about that and about whether or not there might be something we could do for some of the businesses out there in the meantime, I think, but in terms of revamping all of the permanent signage out there where that would take a lot more time. We may, it may be a different cost estimate. We estimated based on some of our initial estimates, so we just need time to figure out how much it would cost to revamp all the permanent signage. But we are still having some conversations for some of those existing tenants, uh, whether or not there's something we could do in the meantime. So there has been temporary signage put up for some of the businesses where it has the business names out there, but some of the businesses do not have individual signs with their names. I do not think that the community at large knows that uh, Spirits Alley, what that means when you see Spirits Alley. Uh, I do think that it would be nice to include um, treat all the businesses similarly out there, which means that the temporary signage for the businesses um, that, like, including like Dash and Urban 20, uh, Building um, 34, uh, all of those businesses, faction, I think there is signage, but you know, I'd just like to make sure that we are at least doing temporary signage for those businesses. I think we, I'm waiting another year um, when that coming out of COVID and whatnot, I think it's actually um, asking a lot um, in regards to, I don't want to have more of those businesses leave, uh, which we've had. We've had uh, several of those businesses out there leave. And, and I'd like to, so, so. Yes, yeah, so we are still looking at some ways to do the temporary signage. Some of the permanent signage out there actually has like, it's pretty expensive, it's, it, and, it, and we agree, we think it needs to be, you know, we're gonna build all those new streets out there, we need to do something different, we're just, but if it will, we are talking about what we can do on a temporary basis, but in terms of that second year being the year that we could do something more comprehensive and more permanent. So we'll keep looking at the temporary. Thank you. And I will just say, I concur with the city manager on this. Um, we've seen some great street improvements so far, but it is a work in progress, and it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend a lot of money that then is just going to have to be respent when the project is done. But I think it'll make it a lot easier to get people out there. Um, okay, may I continue then real quick? Oh, I just sure. would like clarification then. Will we have temporary signage for those other businesses or not under this budget? Well, we have we have funds available for some temporary signage and things that we can do with our existing operating budget. What we don't have in the budget is doing a complete comprehensive revamp of all the permanent signage and doing that. But we are, yes, we are looking at ways we could do some temporary signage for some of the businesses under the current budget. And would that be in year one or year two? Yes, we're gonna try to do some si temporary signage in year one. Thank you. Um, and so um, I'm wondering, um, Council Member um, Herrera Spencer, would you want to make a motion and include that um, direction to staff about coming back with the information about the veterans building improvements? Uh, uh, not at this time because okay. Council Member Jensen has her hand up. I'd like to Sorry. hear from her. Thanks. Yeah, didn't see you, Council Member Jensen. And I didn't want to put you on the spot to make a motion. Anyone can make a motion. Council Member Jensen. Thank you. Um, I have a question actually just some clarification for Mark, for um, our fiscal director and I just wanted to be assured I, I appreciate the fiscal responsibility and the that we are moving forward without a deficit which is really um, 
exciting. If you can be excited about a budget, I'm excited. And I wanted to, I'd just like to get your comments about, because pension liability has been an issue for many years for this agency and for other organizations, um, public organizations. So I just wanted you to, if I could get your input on. Sure. Um, so with our pension liability, we actually added, um, I want to say, $2 million in year two. Yeah to the budget um, to cover the increased pension liability. As you know, we've had some really great years with our CalPERS returns. Last year was not so good, but the pension liability lags two years behind. Um, we will bring forward later on, towards the end of this year, a bigger conversation about our pension and our OPEB. Um, we actually have contracted with a company that allows us to, to run scenarios. Um, and that is part of the fiscal resiliency plan we're working on, so I'm pretty excited about that. But, um, the pension liability is here. We, we are better than most cities on the pension part, not necessarily on the OPEB part, but on the pension part. Um, and, and I think we're going to come up with a pretty good plan to maintain the funding. Thank you. So um, with that, I want to I make a point actually not to um, regard, with regard to the budget presentation, but just to, to point out that Alameda has been very successful in, in funding all of our our capital needs in the past, I'm looking at just the past seven years, but it's really exciting to see, especially to see the new parks, to see Gene Sweeney parks, to see the Little John Bayport, um, Edison Park play playground replacements. I think Godfrey was replaced not too long ago. The new rec center at Cruzy Park has been in the past four years. The, and I'm just talking about parks now. We've resurfaced most of our tennis courts and um, our pickleball courts. And pickleball certainly will still be an issue, but I appreciate that Estuary Park, our newest park coming online, will include pickleball courts. And, and these, are, these are big needs. And to that point also, our veterans building is a big need. So I appreciate that the input from the council and the community has been addressed. We, we have work to do at the veterans building, but I, I'm appreciating what I see in this budget and um, with regard to the motion I would make the motion if there's no other comments that direction about it's finding funding for the veterans building. exactly to identify um, funding either general fund or or external grant funding to make all of those improvements particularly with regard to the hot water and the restrooms at the veterans building Second. Second by Councilman Ravella. And I just want to add a comment. I, I mentioned this this morning in an email to the city manager and the public works director, because uh, I get a little wonky about this. But I think everyone here would be interested to read. In this item, which is item 3C, there's an exi exhibit, exhibit 3. It's the Capital Improvement Program Budget Summary. If you like reports with lots of pictures, and who doesn't, um, this is the report for you. In mostly one pages, that report tells you where this money is going and it's just so nicely laid out. I mean it's like reading a picture book but I really want to commend staff because I know it took a lot to put that together um, but it's such a such a nice public document for you to see where your public funds are going and I thank you Councilmember Jensen for highlighting all the good work the city's been doing. I think I say hand up. Councilmember Harris Spencer. Well I wanted to ask the maker of the motion if she's interested in um, having a friendly amendment to include the temporary signage out at Alameda Point uh, for those other uh, businesses, um, Dash, Urban, 43, uh, that, that do not have the signage out there with their name. I, I, I appreciate the, the suggestion and I understand that there are businesses out there that would really are in, um, in requesting that there be more and more effective signage. 
and, and I'm not going to include the motion. I'm not going to include the amendment, though, because I, as as I, every time I go out to Alameda Point, there's new things going on. There's there's businesses coming. There's businesses going, and I, you know, I, whether it would be um, fire brand or other businesses, it it would be hard for me to see how we could go out there immediately in this fiscal year and, and make signage that wouldn't have to be replaced in the next year. So uh, my apologies, Councilmember Herrera Spencer, but I would leave my motion and, and um, not accept your amendment. Okay, we have a... May I speak uh, to that? Of course. Thank you, Mayor. And I appreciate the comments, Councilmember Jensen. I just wanted to... Uh, uh, we have, in fact, lost uh, several businesses out there uh, recently. Uh, that it's very unfortunate, and I'm not sure, honestly. I think there is a signage for Firebrand. I think they actually got signage. But the ones that have been struggling are the ones that have been here uh, pre-COVID. Um, so I will not be able to support the budget, though, if we cannot accommodate their signage. Thanks. Thank you. Vice Mayor Desak. Well, thank you. I just want to make a quick comment. First of all, thanking staff and the community, uh, particularly uh, in participating in the May workshop that had kind of helped inform uh, the decision that we're making tonight. So the decision that we're making tonight with regard to our operations and our capital budget didn't occur in a vacuum, but that there was a process in place. Um, the particular things that I also want to point out is, you know, we're, when you look at uh, exhibit three, um, the tables, uh, what you'll see is we're spending almost $100 million in capital items over the next two years. And of the $100 million that we're slated to spend, roughly, uh, roughly $45 million on, are on infrastructure, you know, uh, uh, that, you know, the city of Alameda really needs. I mean, we're always excited about um, above surface things like, um, uh, you know, playground equipment, um, um, signage, um, or, or things like that. And, and that's, that, you know, that makes life so much more fun. But in order to keep um, the city of Alameda uh, going, you know, we need to have, we need to keep investing in our infrastructure. And so roughly 45% of the $100 million or so is on um, pavement, sanitary and sewer, and stormwater um, maintenance adaptation. Sanitary sewer, um, sanitary sewer is um, roughly $25 million over the next two years. So, um, so anyways, I just want to uh, make sure to point that out for the residents that we're not only, you know, um, adopting this operations and maintenance budget, uh, capital, capital budget over the next two years, but we're making sure to invest in the things that keep our city going. Thank you. And thank you for highlighting that, Vice Mayor Daysog, because that's also in the in the um, exhibit that I was talking about. There's so much under the ground. It's not sexy. It's not seen. But things like East Bay Mud running that earthquake, you know, seismically safe conduit under the water to make sure that our water supply is safe in the case of an, of an earthquake. And we live in earthquake country. I know that you all have been inconvenienced by the detours and not be, I was delivering meals on wheels one day and I got back to the office and the director said, Mayor, one of my volunteers cannot get out to the place she's trying to go. And so I quickly called City Hall and, you know, but 
but it's, it was temporary and it was for such a good reason. East Bay Med was very proactive and they went in and they lined those um, sewer mains under the, the road, um, and I might have the wrong terminology, because they had seen failure in Oakland and they knew that that line was of similar vintage and on along the same route. So they came in and they did it here so we didn't have the sinkhole and we didn't have sewage backing up in your drains. So it's a lot of things that didn't happen. Um, so just um, when you see city staff, especially public work, just say thank you. Uh, yes, Councilor Hurst. Thank you, Mayor. So I just wanted to have it on the record that we did lose the two businesses we've lost out of the point, Rockwall Winery and Hangar One Distillery. I know that people, when they're taking Uber, going out there cannot find, um, cannot always find the, the remaining businesses. However, those are significantly smaller than the two large ones that we lost. I do think we have a serious problem of people not being able to uh, find the businesses out there. We have heard from them repeatedly. I think it's very unfortunate that staff, uh, I mean, that we cannot include any temporary signage for these businesses because I think it's critical that we, you know, support existing businesses. Thank you. All right, we have a motion. It's been seconded. May we have a roll call? And it's not a roll call vote. <laughs> May we have a, vo a voice vote, please? All those in favor of the motion, please signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed? No. The motion passes four to one. All right, and with that, I will close the special joint meeting of the City Council and Successor Agency to the Community Improvement Commission, and I will call to order the regular meeting of the City Council. May we start with roll call, please, Madam Clerk. Roll call has been noted, five present. Thank you. Okay, our next item is agenda changes, and I'm gonna ask for a motion for council, and the motion I'm gonna ask for is that when we come to the consent calendar, I would like to have the consent calendar heard when we finish the regular agenda item because we've often been taking quite a while, um, almost up to an hour on consent calendar. And I know I've got a lot of public speakers in the audience and probably um, you know, remotely. And so if I could have a motion, it takes a vote of three to just move the consent calendar to after the regular agenda. So moved. It's been moved by Councilmember Vela. Do I have a second? Do I have a second? I'll, I'll second. It's okay. Novel. <laughs> seconded for seconded by Councilmember um, Desog. Um, any questions before we take the vote? Just to move the I, consent calendar. I do. Uh, Councilmember Tara Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. So, for instance, I want clarification then tonight. So, uh, items, for instance, 5D and 5G would go at the end of the calendar if this passes as opposed to in the order that they're listed? Everything with a five before it is a consent calendar item, and yes, that's correct. Thank you. All right. Um, I have a, actually a comment. Please. I, um, I noticed that there's 12 items on the consent calendar, and that, that is a lot. And we have, since I've been on the city council, it has happened um, several times, definitely, that the consent calendar is items are pulled from the consent calendar for 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 discussion, which is appropriate certainly. But um, and then that discussion may go long, or the staff may or may not be prepared to answer all questions. And so, I agree. I, I would like to um, have the consent calendar be more efficient. But uh, and there are items on the consent calendar that I've found as working in other public agencies that may or may not be appropriate, but need to be on the consent calendar. I think this council, prior to my joining the council, added um, police policies, for example, to the consent calendar, which is something that hasn't been pulled in my experience, but may add 
um, add to the calendar and add to the um, number of items that we have to review. So other things that could streamline the consent calendar would be to um, extend, for example, I think at our last meeting we, we pulled something from the consent calendar which was an item to extend an existing contract. There was no change to the contract, but the, the contract could not be completed in the time that it had originally been set, and it, so it was, it was discussed and that had to go on consent. Things like um, changing orders for contracts, I don't think those, when contracts have been approved, those things should not necessarily, in my opinion, be on the consent calendar. So uh, I, I um, think that there are ways that we can streamline the consent calendar. We've talked about this as part of the strategic plan that we're, we're reviewing right now. But um, with all respect, I, I don't think that pulling this and changing this at this meeting tonight is, um, is transparent exactly. And I don't, I would actually like to have a little more study and review before the calendar and the agenda is changed so dramatically. So I, um, I Councilmember Jensen, uh, Councilmember Jensen, you might not understand what I was doing. This is a one-off. Just for this evening, I'm suggesting that we hear the consent calendar after our regular calendar. It is not on the agenda to do an agenda change of the order of the agenda. I, I wouldn't be bringing that forward. I'm just saying for this evening, in respect, um, out of respect to. Uh, the speakers who were here, and also just knowing, because um, City Clerk did a little um, background research for me, that we have averaged 22 minutes, but with a high of you know an hour and around 30 some minutes on um, the consent calendar. And the City Clerk, we have also discussed that she will be coming back with more of a clarification of how items are placed on the consent calendar and it isn't arbitrary and it's not up to the mayor there there are specific criteria but but we also have come to realize that there's probably not enough information included at the in the um, listing on the agenda of why items are on the consent calendar but my ask is just for this evening if we could um, move the um, the consent calendar to after the regular agenda but we've had a motion, it's been seconded. Uh, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, I'd also like to clarify that the agenda is set by the mayor and staff. Council members do not see it until it goes public when the entire, all of you see it at the same time we do. So we have no input in regards to what items are placed on consent in advance. Uh, one of the items that's placed on consent, uh, 5G, is, uh, includes $4.6 million. And I do plan to pull that. I am concerned that if it goes at the end that we may not get to it tonight. And I think that when staff um, and the mayor create the agenda that things that are put on consent are usually heard before we get to other items that there is some thought into the order of how they're placed. But if they go at the end of the calendar, the agenda tonight, then we may not get to them. And as you may recall, Councilmember Harris Spencer, when you sat in this seat, I do attend the agenda meetings, but I still have to follow the criteria for items that are placed on the on the consent calendar. It's not an arbitrary decision. Councilmember Vella. So a couple of things. One, I'd be open to approving uh, the balance of, or, or the balance of what we can agree with on the consent calendar. 
um, and then basically moving the pulled items to after just for this one meeting. Um, understanding that some of my colleagues may want to pull, I think uh, 5D and 5G have been listed. And by the way, for those tuning in that um, don't have the agenda in front of them, I believe 5D is um, the recommendation to authorize the city manager to execute the agreement uh, with the Alameda Sun for publication of legal notices. And 5G is the um, basic uh, the basic income guaranteed pilot program, basic, that yeah. guaranteed basic income pilot program. So I, I'm, I'd be open to entertaining that and with the understanding that one, we set the calendar, you know, it, it's gonna take a vote of the council and I'm certainly open to covering those items tonight. Um, but two, we also have the option as the council to continue those items while it would cause a delay um, to the start of the next meeting at item six, or we could ask that it it, you know, um, it be part of the consent calendar, which would be at the beginning of that. So if my colleagues would be open to that, that might be the, the middle ground to get through the balance of the consent calendar with a couple of the items being pulled to be heard after um, seven tonight with the understanding that we would have a longer conversation eventually. Any discussion of that? Any discussion of that? Of, and you were the maker of the motion, I believe, Correct. Council Member so you can offer a substitute motion. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to do that if my colleagues would yeah. be amenable to hear to the a... consent calendar um, with the items pulled being heard after the um, item, uh, the regular agenda items, item seven, if that's something that Anyone people would be open Anyone want to weigh in on to. that? Or? Yes. I know, but I, I'd like to hear from some of our other colleagues too, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Give me a moment. But if you don't have anything to add, that's fine too. Nothing to add? Um, any way the council would like, I'm supportive. <laughs> I, I, I think the goal is to, to you know, speed up um, a certain items. So if people have different ideas, fine. Um, it, whichever way, I, 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 at the end of the day, we're gonna hear things one way or another. I, I like um, Councilmember Vela's um, compromise motion. Um, Councilmember Jensen, does that resonate with oh, you I at appreciate, all? No, I appreciate all of the comments. I appreciate the, the compromise motion, and um, I appreciate the objective, but I, I think it just happened too quickly, and I won't support it. Okay. Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. So I'd like to hear from staff if they think there's time limitations on the two, then that may, may not be heard tonight. I mean, I will defer to the city clerk on the the journal and sun um, one, but on the guaranteed basic income, I, I, my understanding and staff can correct me is that there is some time sensitivity, but I think it sounds like it's going to be heard. It's just going to be done at the end of the agenda. So um, most likely we can see how it goes. Um, so my question is, can they be heard at the next meeting, even if it's at the beginning? But Yes, but Do we're getting into heard? July, and I will say there's a lot of, there's, we're getting condensed, but yes, of course, we could hear it at the next meeting. We as can well. always bring an item six item that then is heard yes, at the top of the regular we can do agenda. That. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, oh, Ms. Madam Clerk, you look alarmed. The, well, the charter, um, let's see, I'm trying to find the charter section. Yeah, you have to designate the official newspaper, but it doesn't give you a deadline, but it does say, Yeah, it doesn't give you a deadline, but it says you do have to designate a new newspaper. Vice Mayor Villa. So, I mean, I'm amenable to staying later tonight in order to get to these items, but I would like to move forward quickly one way or the other so that we don't spend 
any more time. See and that you're really up to all motion of us. to hear the consent calendar, except um, to approve it and then move whatever items are pulled to the end. Yes. After, not the end of the whole agenda, just after the regular agenda. Will you still second that, Vice Mayor? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> all in favor, as signified by stating aye. 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 Opposed? No. Okay. No. I believe that carries three to two, correct? Okay. Motion carries. Thank you. Okay. With that, um, the okay. What we have next before we get to the consent. I, I would. I would like to make a motion to approve the balance of the consent. Um, we haven't count. gotten there yet, so Madam. Clerk. Okay. Got it. We actually wait. have. Um, it, it's kind of a stealth right, thing, wait. but That's we fine. actually have a proclamation, um, which I was trying to get to. But hey, here we are now. So I have a proclamation. Uh, very important proclamation. Whereas after 39 years of dedicated service, Library Director Jane Chisaki is retiring from the City of Alameda on June 30th, 2023. And whereas after receiving a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from the University of California at Berkeley and a Master's degree in Library Science from San Jose State University, Jane began her career as a children's librarian in San Francisco at the Merced branch of the San Francisco Public Library. And whereas on January 3, 1984, Alameda gained a bright light when Jane was hired as a children's services librarian at the Alameda Free Library where she developed the children's collection, ran the preschool and school-age story times, and began evening story times at the Bay Farm Island Branch Library. And whereas Jane's commitment to the library and community led to her promotions to senior librarian in 1988, supervising librarian for children's services in 1991, and library director in 2006. Whereas throughout her career, Jane has been an essential part of the evolution of the Alameda Free Library, including writing the library's first web page using basic HTML, transitioning from book card photo checkout to barcodes to radio frequency identification technology for circulation and inventory, and transitioning the card catalog to an online catalog and whereas before the new main library opened in 2006 at 1550 Oak Street, Jane facilitated moving the main library's collections from the Carnegie Building to temporary space at the historic Alameda High School, no small feat. She also helped plan the renovation of the West End and Bay Farm Island branch libraries as a member of the library building team. Whereas Jane's steadfast commitment to equity was demonstrated by the launch of the free mobile hotspot lending program, eliminating overdue fines on library materials, and administering the Tonaragumi, Tonaragumi, Alameda's lost Japantown historic marker project, and the parallel Alameda Japanese American History Project digital history grant, and whereas the many changes and improvements that have taken place during Jane's almost four decades at the Alameda Free Library have resulted in increased public use of the library from 100,000 annual visits 
to 800,000 annual visits, an increase in the summer reading program participation from 100 participants to 4,000 participants, and the revival of the Alameda Poet Laureate program. And whereas Jane's service extends far beyond the island of Alameda, includes active membership in the American Library Association, the Association for Library Service to Children, California Library Association, Girl Scouts USA, Boy Scouts of America, Sea Exploring, and Mariner Scouts. And whereas since 1984, Jane has provided strong and steady leadership to staff and volunteers and enhanced and led a beloved community institution and leaves the Alameda Free Library a better place than she found it. Now, therefore, be it resolved that I, Marilyn Ezzie Ashcraft, Mayor of the City of Alameda, on behalf of the Alameda City Council, do hereby proclaim Friday, June 30th, 2023, as Jane Chisaki Day in the City of Alameda, wait for it, and invite city staff and residents to join me in thanking Jane for her significant contributions to our community by reading a good book, wearing purple, rooting for the Warriors, well, next season, um, and leading with kindness and compassion. A big round of applause to Jane to the microphone and I have a little something for you too. <laughs> Good evening, Mayor and City Council. Yes, I am Jane Chisaki, your retiring library director. This was a huge, this is a huge surprise. And I am humbled by everything that you just read because I don't feel like it's something I did. It's something the library staff did it's something that the city staff did to support everything that the library offers, everything from our buildings to programs to sharing ideas. It's a full city team that makes our library work and offers all these services to our community. I'm gonna miss the people. I'm gonna miss the support of our city council. I'm probably not gonna miss the work. <laughs> I, I may occasionally miss challenges you know, in life, but there are other challenges that are out there that may not be library related. Um, but I really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Well, we thank you, and there was even more that could have gone in the proclamation, but I just wanna share that I first met you, I think, when my twins, who just turned 32 yesterday, um, when they were little and you ran the story time, what did we call it at the Bay Farm Library? They came in their pajamas. Be bedtime story Bedtime time. stories, and it was the cutest thing ever, all these little kids coming to the library in their pajamas, and Jane is just a great storyteller. Later, we were on the library building team together, and yeah, that, that move, anybody who's ever moved house, you can imagine all the materials that go in a, in a, a library, and, um, but you, you did it beautifully, and um, we are so thankful. Uh, from council, any other appreciations? 
Anyway, um, thank you so much. And Jane, I have the frame proclamation for you, so don't go away. So and if we told you we were doing this, you might not have shown up. <laughs> it's budget night. I would be here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how nice. Grace, where is Sandy? <laughs> thank, thank you, you so for much. everything. All the best. I just do want to add, and I've, we've said this before in a council meeting, that you don't have to look too hard in the news to know that there are other libraries in other cities, in other communities, even in our own state, where libraries are just under attack and their collections are being scrutinized and books are being pulled. And that's not the story in Alameda. When the library came with its very reasonable budget to the council, we said, no, we want more hours for our branch libraries. Put, put more money in for the library, and we did that. So thank you so much. OK, now we move on to the, um, uh, let's see what we've got. First, um, we'll get to the consent calendar. But first, we've got to do oral communications, non-agenda items. Madam Clerk. Thank you. Um, we have two speakers in person, uh, Wang Tam and Anya Qualls. Wang up first. All right, welcome. Hi, good evening. Good evening. Um, mayor and um, council member, how are you guys doing? Thank you. So uh, thank you for letting me uh, be here and spoke Let's up. Let's do the microphone, yeah. So uh, my name is Wing Tam. I'm the field representative with uh, Law Cow Carpenter Union, Local 713, here in Alameda County. So I am represent personally 6,000 members in uh, Alameda County. So today I would like to uh, talk about um, our future project in Alameda City. So how important for a local carpenter member to be used um, the area standards labor uh, language need to be um, part of the templates of the uh, developer in the beautiful uh, city of Alameda. So um, local hiring is so important for the city project and um, the construction worker can work close to home and spend more time with their family and the loved one. And um, they can spend the money in the local to helping um, the local business um, and reducing um, uh, the traffic and uh, less greenhouse gases. And uh, also we can um, uh, bring up the up, um, Appendices opportunity for the area who can build the highest standards for the city of Alameda to be beautiful and better future. Um, healthcare and uh, livable wages is really important for the uh, carpenter and their family. And such as cost for living in the area is so expensive. Um, uh, stay healthy is really first priority for their family also. Um, so I would like to have... Thank you uh, so much. Your time uh, is up. Okay. Our next thank speaker, you. thank you. Thank you. And your 
Welcome. Come on up. <laughs> Mayor, thank you for letting me speak. I did not realize that he was actually going to speak, and I'm basically reiterating the things that he's already said. Uh, I've been a longtime resident here in Alameda for a long, long time, uh, and I'm currently an apprentice carpenter. Career change in my lifetime, right? And um, basically what concerns me very much so is that basically most construction companies that are operating within our island facility are not hiring or are not paying livable wages and healthcare, which is very important, especially when you talk about single-head households like myself. Um, the cost of living is going up and up and up, and we really need to make sure that we do have more apprentice opportunities within the facility of or within the city of Alameda, because as we all know, to getting on and into the island, off and into the island of Alameda is, you know, getting more and more complex due to all the traffic and what have you. So I would um, wish that you would support me in hopefully uh, making something like that for us um, so that we can work locally you know, reducing our overall carbon footprint. And it would only make sense because if you do hire local people, um, we live here, we play here, and of course it would help the, you know, business economy within the island. Obviously, instead of having people ship in from out of town, work here, and then go out of town and spend their money somewhere else. So, and for a community to thrive, we need employment opportunities. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Our next speaker, Madam Clerk. I believe that was our final one, but let me know. Yep, that was our final speaker. Okay, so we will close oral communication, non-agenda public comment, and we will move on to the consent calendar where I believe Councilmember Vela is prepared with a motion. <laughs> Moving approval of the balance of the consent calendar. Okay, so which items are pulled? Um, Madam Clerk, did you? Uh, I think I heard four D and G, but I don't know if anyone. Five, anyway. right? I five? mean, yes, yeah. sorry. <laughs> okay, so D is in dog, G is in Good, Go. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and anything else, Councilmember Harris Spencer? I want to register a no vote for 5J. And J as in John. Okay, all right, thank you. Um, okay, anything else? Okay, so we have. Um, um, and we have no speakers. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being the other half of my brain. Um, then we have a motion. Do we have a second to approve the balance of the consent calendar? And that would be except for items 5D as in dog and G as in good, and with that no vote registered by Councilmember Harris Spencer on item 5J. Sure, I'll second. Seconded by Vice Mayor. Um, Desag, may we have a voice vote, please. All in favor of approving balance of the consent calendar signify by stating aye. 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 Opposed? Abstention? So was that unanimous? Okay, there's some quiet votes there. She voted no. Yeah, no, we registered the no vote, but that doesn't require polling. Okay, so then with that, we are moving on to the regular agenda. And Madam Clerk, would you please introduce our first item? Yes. 7A is introduction of ordinance approving Third Amendment to lease of building 35, 20, 40, 50 Pan Am Way and Alameda Point between the City of Alameda and small size big mines, extending the lease term by 12 months with an additional 12-month extension option for a total potential extension of 24 months. And I need to promote somebody. That's, there we go. Okay. While you're promoting, Madam Clerk, I noticed today that there was a Zoom update. Correct. Do you want to <laughs> yes. Do the usual so hopefully, um, anybody remotely, you have updated your Zoom, other than, uh, uh, or else when we try and call you, um, 
you will not be able to be promoted. So, and I did promote, uh, let's see. I'm here. Okay. Thank you so much, Van. That's for... Lisa Maxwell, Community Development Director. There we go. Yes, thank <laughs> you very much, Madam Mayor. Hi. Madam Mayor and City Council members, as mentioned, I'm Lisa Maxwell, the Community Development Director, and I'm here with a very brief presentation on a matter for a third amendment for the lease for Building 35, and the tenant's name is Small Size Big Mines. Next slide, please. So building 35 is located on Pan Am Way. Um, it's in use as a childcare center and has been at their current location since 2018. And they're currently paying 46.27 per month. Next slide. Uh, the, the daycare center is interested in continuing with their current location. Um, the amendment that is before you provides for a one-year lease, extens lease extension, as well as an additional one-year extension option. The rent would increase for each of these years, as noted on this slide. Um, next slide, please. We have looked at this uh, use, this proposed use as a daycare, and it works very well for this uh, part of Alameda Point. It's adjacent and across from the, the, the West Midway and Reshape project that is being negotiated currently. Um, and we are only recommending a two-year term because if the um, daycare provider was to stay at this space much longer, they would be very negatively impacted by the, the future construction that we anticipate happening at the West Midway and reshaped sites. It would be very dusty and difficult to operate a daycare there. Um, but to that point, staff's assisting um, the daycare provider in finding an alternative long-term home. Um, they're investigating a new site, and if that one doesn't turn out, we'll consider um, other sites with them and continue until we can hopefully find an opportunity for them to continue their business where they're on Alameda Point, because they do serve a lot of Alameda Point um, families. Next slide. So just in summary, the recommendation, recommendation is to introduce an ordinance authorizing the city manager to execute a third amendment to the lease with the tenant, small size, big mines for a one-year extension and a one-year extension option, which includes an increase in rent during each of those years. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Maxwell. I just love the name of that business. Um, Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment on this item? We do not. Okay, I'm going to close public comment on item 7A, and we'll just go right to the move. council for I'd session like or motion. I'd like to move approval. We don't have enough daycare facilities, and this is a fantastic one with a lot of community support. All right, we have a motion from Councilmember Vela. Was that a second, Councilmember Jensen? Seconded by Councilmember Jensen. I heartily um, second what you said about the need for daycare, especially on that side of the island. Okay. Um, uh, We've had a motion, it's been seconded. I'm not seeing any discussion, so may we have a vo voice vote, please. All those in favor signify by stating aye. 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 Any opposed, any abstentions? That motion carries unanimously. Item 7B, Madam Clerk, please. Public hearing to consider adoption of resolution ordering the levy of assessments, Island City Landscaping and Lighting District 84-2, zones 1, okay. 4, 5, 6, and 8. Okay. I think we may have uh, a council member, maybe two? I'll need to recuse myself on this item. Uh, sure. Uh, 
Uh, well, definitely Vice Mayor Daysak. I'm not sure about uh, Councilman Marbella, so I'm Can you not sure why she would. For a minute, yeah. I just, hold on, you want to introduce yourself while you're sure. here? Hi. Good evening, Madam Mayor, members of the City Council. I'm Liz Accord, Public Works Coordinator, here with a very brief presentation for you. <laughs> Let me just see where my... Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, well, I am reasonably sure that uh, Councilmember Vela is up to date on the staff report, but why don't you go ahead and explain this sure. item for us, Ms. Um, this item asks City Council to adopt a resolution approving the annual assessment for the City's Landscape and Lighting District, Zones 1 through 6 and Zone 8. City Council will consider the action for Zone 7 as a separate item this evening just following this item. This is the last component of a legal process performed annually to levy assessments for the coming year. Uh, this district has been in existence since 1984 and has six zones throughout the city. I'm going to briefly walk you through those zones absent of zone seven and the proposed assessments for the coming year. The first zone is on Lincoln Avenue between Sherman and St. Charles and assessments fund the landscape median maintenance. Staff is proposing that assessments remain flat, totaling to just under $5,000 annually for this zone. Zone four is Park Street, and assessments mainly fund graffiti removal and daily litter cleanup along the street, uh, including sidewalk pressure washing, um, and staff is recommending the consumer price index increase of 3%, which is permitted without balloting of the property owners. Um, the index increase is 3%, although the CPI increase for the Bay Area uh, for the year ending February 2023 is 5.302%. The annual CPI increase for Zone 4 is capped at 3% as it was set during the uh, recent balloting for the zone. Zones 5 and 6 are the Harbor Bay Business Park and Marina Village Commercial Area, respectively. And for these zones, staff is also recommending the CPI increase of 5.302%, which is permitted without balloting of the property owners. Finally, Zone 8 is Webster Street, uh, which was formerly Zones 2 and 3. Um, those were combined into Zone 8 in the 2014 balloting process. These assessments primarily fund uh, daily street maintenance in the Webster Street zone, and staff is recommending the 5.302% CPI increase for this zone as well. So in closing, staff is requesting City Council now adopt the resolution ordering the levy of assessments for fiscal year 23-24 for the Landscape and Lighting District 84-2, zones 1 through 6 and 8. My report is complete. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Ms. Accord. Um, do we have any discussion or questions from Council, Councilmember Jensen? Thank you. Um, I, my question isn't about these particular lighting districts. It's more about um, some background about the authority for landscape and lighting districts. And it, if you can answer that or our city attorney, I. Maybe um, that's more from the city attorney's office, perhaps. So you want to come Mr. on up and introduce yourself? Thank you, Ms. Accord. Good evening, Mayor and Council. Lena Zelani, an assistant city attorney. So my question is, regarding these landscape and lighting districts, are they, um, how are they established? Under what authority can they be changed by, and by who? Either by the 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 district itself and who are the members of the district? How is the district established? Uh, the district is a special assessment district, uh, council member that's established by the council. So the council passes, uh, in, in the case of this particular district, the council adopted a, um, a motion and a, a, I believe a, a resolution um, several decades ago to establish the district. Um, the 
and, and then the district can be uh, dissolved by the council as well or a portion of the district. Um, and there's no, the, there's no sort of named members of the district. There's, there's merely the parcels and the, and the, and the residents who own those parcels that are part of the district. Thank you. So the, the district is a geographic designation of certain parcels in, uh, or boundaries within the city. That's correct. correct. And uh, as I understand, it's established through um, the state passed a law to allow cities to levy these fees. And what, what are the fees generally um, intended to be used for? Um, there's a range of uh, types of uses that the fees can go to. Um, they're laid out in the uh, in the law in the landscape law, but they're typically, as I understand them, uh, Im improvement related fees. So tree trimming, street maintenance, um, uh, street lighting, th things of that that nature. And so my last question: um, There are neighborhoods in uh, Alameda and in many municipalities that have that don't aren't landscape and lighting districts, but they do collect fees or assessments from, um, from residents. In fact, I live near Fernside and there's a homeowners association that I pay $5 a year, which I'm not sure what they do uh, with it, but um, uh, we pay it. So if so I could, I'm is, always sorry to interrupt, but we, um, we do need to, for Brown Act purposes, stay to the subject matter of this particular item. Um, well, I, I, I was going to my question is, what uh, is their uniqueness? Is this unique, the landscape and lighting district, unique in a way that it can assess fees that other organizations aren't allowed to do so? Or, or is it somehow, how is the landscape and lighting district unique and, and how does it provide a benefit that another type of organizational structure wouldn't provide? Uh, well, Council Member, um, because this is because the district is a creation of the government, there is, uh, to some degree, uh, I guess, a more limited um, sort of scope of what uh, the district can assess for, um, and the procedure uh, for um, using the, that assessment is is laid out in the district act. I think the as the HOA example, they. An HOA maybe maybe would have broader leeway because it's not necessarily a creature of government. I see. Thank you for your, for for that information. I appreciate it. Okay. And and this item, of course, is regarding a range of different uh, landscape and lighting districts. Uh, this isn't Zone Seven, you know. This is the the one that. I was asking about general questions about general landscape questions. and lighting authority. Uh, I, if I wasn't clear, it was really about the authority, the state authority, to um, to levy, to give cities the uh, the ability to levy these fees, and how organizations or residents or businesses parcels um, comply and participate. That was my the, my general questions. All right. Well, thank you for for that. Um, you know, I, um, Councilman Ravella had to make an emergency phone call and she tells me she'll be back in two to five minutes. So I'm thinking that this might be a good time to take a um, 10 minute break because I'd like to have, we already have Councilmember Daysug who's recusing himself because of his, the proximity of his residence to one of the districts or within it. So at this time, it's 8.30, um, a little early for us to take a break because usually we go two hours, but I'd like 
to have as many um, council members present as possible. So everyone, if you could please be back at 840, 10 minutes from now, I'm setting my watch. Okay.
If I could ask the audience to take their seats, please. Um, we are going to resume item 7B. And Ms. Accord, welcome back. Okay, so um, Councilmember Vela, we assumed that, uh, correctly, I know that you had reviewed this um, staff report, so Ms. Accord um, presented the staff report. And um, do you have any questions? I do not. All right, Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, thank you, uh, Director Accord. I'm not sure what your title is Coordinator. now. Coordinator. Coordinator <laughs> Accord. Um, I have a question in regards to these other zones. It appears that they're primarily all business addresses. Is that correct? Do any of them have any residents in them? Um, I'm just making sure I look at this. You're correct. These are, um, these are all business. Um, even the Marina Village zone where there is an adjacent homeowners association, that homeowners association and those residential properties do not pay into the assessment. So the same on uh, zone one, Lincoln Avenue between Sherman and St. Charles, are there any, the residents that are there do not pay in either? I believe that is correct. So I would want to confirm that the, the residents do not pay into these zones, that it's just the business uh, properties? I can um, come back with that information. Is there any chance anyone else knows the answer to that question? Because I think we'll be voting on it tonight. We will. Um, do we, so anyone out there know if, um, let's see, if these zones, these um, landscape and lighting districts include any residential addresses? Or if they're all I accepted. I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I'm just taking a quick moment to sure, look in the detail yes. of the engineer's report to see if I can answer okay, that perfect. question. And of course, the engineer's here in the room. <laughs> no, but he, <laughs> I, I got that expression. Okay. <laughs> what engineer? <laughs> just looked like him. <laughs> um, let's see, there's that map, right? Councilmember Hera Spencer, is that related to all the, all of them, or are you talking about just specific ones? I think all of the ones that are listed are primarily business, and that makes sense to me that uh, we would be assessing the business businesses to support their areas. However, I think I just wanted to confirm that if there are any residential properties, that they do not pay into these. The, the only one that I would not be able to confirm is zone one. I, I believe it, it's correct that those are uh, primarily, those property owners um, all have, um, there may be some residential on top of the uh, commercial, but that they are all commercial properties, but I would need to confirm that. I can say that that is true for Park Street, Webster Street, Marina Village, and Harbor Bay, uh, but I would need to confirm that for the first zone along Lincoln. 
So Ms. Accord, with, I'm just along those lines, Councilmember. Um, so on Park Street, we do have some residential over retail, but are you saying that the owner of the retail property on the ground level pays the assessment? Correct. Okay. And then Lincoln Avenue, that's zone one, right, is the Lincoln Avenue corridor? Correct. Like, Two blocks of Lincoln Avenue. Yeah. Is it that where our new Savoy Island market is? And yeah, so... Correct. Although I, I couldn't speak for sure, but yeah. looking at these maps, they all look like commercial commercial areas, but I can't tell you for certain. So I appreciate that, and I just would just like to, um, I plan to support this tonight, but I think in the future it'd be good to know what our policy is uh, to make sure that residential properties are being accept, uh, excluded from paying these additional taxes when it's primarily commercial, which I think is what the I, I can ask you, um, when I look at this, I think that the intent is to charge businesses for business districts. And I think that's something we could certainly add as clarification in the next engineer's report. Yeah. Great suggestion. Thank you. All right. All right. With that, do I have a motion to um, adopt the resolution ordering the levy of assessments, Island City Landscaping and Lighting District 84-2, Zones 1, 4, 5, 6, and 8? Move approval. Move by Councilmember Velas. Seconded by. Well, I just wanted to make sure if we don't, do we need to have that as part of the motion that when it comes back, it will be? I think that's direction to staff that was Correct. noted. Yeah. So then I would add that, and then I'm happy if that's the friendly amendment. Was that direction to, to that staff. direction? Sure. Yeah, it's great. Then I'm happy to uh, second it. Great. We've had a motion by Council Member Vela, seconded by Council Member Harris Spencer, with direction to staff as noted. All those in favor, signify by stating aye. 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 Any opposed? Abstain? Was that four ayes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, that motion passes. Um, Ms. Ziba, is it unanimously, if there's four, yeah, it is, okay, <laughs> unanimously. Okay, and you brought, you're calling our colleague back, are you? I think the second. Oh, <laughs> we lost count the vice mayor, okay. Well, um, um, Councilmember Jensen. Is it, is our, our colleague um, have a, pro a residence that's affected by this? So Webster Street. He lives he, right uh, off of Webster. His residence gets an assessment. You would have to talk to Councilmember Desog. He chooses oh, okay. when to leave. Okay. Maybe offline, too. <laughs> okay, welcome back. Um, don't spill anything there. All right, so, um, Madam Clerk, would you introduce our next item, please? Public hearing to consider adoption resolution ordering that no assessment be levied for fiscal year 23-24 in connection with Zone 7 of the Island City Landscaping and Lighting District 84-2 and recommendation to direct staff to engage with the property owners of Zone 7 of the district to explore specific options regarding the future of Zone 7 and return to council with a final recommendation in September. Uh, good evening again, Madam Mayor, members of Council, Aaron Smith, Public Works Director. Um, tonight I am presenting on the I City Island Landscape and Lighting District 84-24 Zone 7, uh, Bay Street. Uh, on the May 2nd Council meeting, Council gave direction to hear Zone 7 separately from the other zones. Next slide. Uh, the objectives this evening are threefold. First is to conduct the public hearing needed um, as the final step in a prescribed legal process regarding the assessment. Um, and uh, tonight, staff is recommending no levy for Zone 7 in fiscal year 23-24. 
Um, second objective is for council to consider directing staff to further engage with the zone seven owners on the future of the district. And lastly, wanting to acknowledge the community, community concerns on the use of zone funds for testing and uh, potential removal of diseased elm trees. Next slide. I'll give a brief background um, on the district, um, explore a little bit what enhanced maintenance means, particularly for this zone, uh, look at current and historic finances, um, go into a little bit more detail on the current and planned work, discuss recent um, outreach, uh, and talk about specific options for further discussion, and then of course answer any questions. Next slide. Um, so as Liz in the previous uh, presentation mentioned, the um, Landscape and Lighting District was established in 19, 1984 uh, with various zones. Uh, two years after that formation, Zone 7 was annexed in um, to the Landscape and Lighting District at the request of the property, owner, property owners. Um, and the resolution, the formation documents, those are um, done by resolution. Um, the resolution specifically speaks to enhanced maintenance of improvements in the public right-of-way. Um, however, Zone 7 has uh, primarily been focused on enhanced tree maintenance. Next slide. So the Dutch uh, elm disease, um, as I've been uh, doing a little bit of research on this, was a, an arboreal, if that's how I say that, plague that arrived in the Bay Area in the 1970s, devastating most of the American elm population. Um, it is this that was the primary focus um, of Zone 7 forming um, a zone within the assessment district. And that was for uh, work to slow the progression of the disease um, of the old elms that are on um, the two, it's one long block of Bay Street, 11 and 1200, sorry, I don't think I gave that in my previous slide, but the area we're talking about is San Antonio to the Lagoon, just so we have that perspective. Um, so the focus of the enhanced maintenance was to prolong the remaining American elms on Bay Street, and that included regular pruning, testing, and soil treatments. Um, when a tree did succumb to the disease, the zone um, has funded the planting of a larger than typical tree. Um, when I say larger, meaning that size of the uh, tree at initial planting than what we do as part of the urban forest. Most recently, as a lot of the old elms um, no longer exist, a lot of the enhanced maintenance is focused on uh, more frequent pest control of the other tree types that are on Bay Street. Next slide. Uh, this slide gives a snapshot of the uh, current finances. You'll see the $45,000, 643 figure. That is the projected end of fiscal year fund balance. Um, and how we get at that number is we look at last year's 21-22 closing fund balance, and that's that $98,000 figure at the top of the table. We project what our expenses will be through the end of this fiscal year. That's the $55,000 figure, and that currently includes the testing and removal of the old elms, which I'll get into a little bit more um, at a subsequent slide. We assume uh, revenue coming into the fund this year, um, and since there was not a property owner assessment in 22-23, the only revenue going in is the $3,000 general fund contribution. So when we take the 21-22 the end balance, 
we subtract the expenses, we add in the revenue, we get the projected fund balance. Next slide. Oh, sorry, I think we skipped one. Thanks. Um, also, in tonight's uh, staff report, there was some additional information provided as an exhibit. It gave a 13-year historic look uh, at the uh, finances related to the zone. Uh, a few key takeaways. Uh, revenue from the property assessments totaled 54600 uh, Revenue from the city contribution um, of general funds totaled 39000 Annual expenses include administrative costs as well as cost for the enhanced maintenance services. So even in years where there's not enhanced maintenance services, there are administrative costs. Um, and then just a brief overview, um, the past enhanced maintenance services have included treatments, testing, removal, planting, and other associated services with the planting. Next slide. Uh, current work, so I'm going to go over work that is uh, appropriated and underway for this fiscal year, which is 22-23, and then in the engineer's report, there's some uh, planned or proposed work for fiscal year 23-24. Um, so currently, uh, we have completed tree injections and pest control this fiscal year, and we are uh, actively testing the remaining it's actually 10 um, old elms. We had assumed nine and uh, recently have identified one additional. So there's 10 elms, uh, old elms that are being tested and may need to be removed based on the results um, of that test. It is this expense that is a bit of a focus for the community and I think council saw a bit of that in the communications that, it, that had come to council. Um, the approach to use zone dollars is consistent with past practice um, and especially aligned with the city contribution of general funds. I did want to point out that in the engineer's report tonight, um, although we are not proposing to levy an assessment, the engineer's report does include a $28,000 capital investment and that is planned for tree planting, assuming the old elms are removed, those will be vacant sites. Um, and the tree planting would include the larger size tree. The 28,000 also includes the additional um, ins insect and injections. So I just wanted to point out that that $45,000 fund balance, uh, the 28,000 shown here would be deducted from that 45,000. Next slide. Okay, so to circle back to the objectives, we have three recommendations, one each related to the objective. Uh, so we, staff recommends that staff, uh, council adopt the resolution ordering no levy of assessment. I did want to acknowledge that in May, staff did have a recommendation for an assessment of $150 per property owner, and that was to replenish the fund balance, assuming the testing and removal and planned pan planting work uh, is conducted. However. Uh, given recent conversations, uh, we definitely uh, are looking for direction from council tonight and further conversations with the community in order uh, to determine um, uh, whether we'll move forward with any of the 23 or 24 uh, work that's in the um, engineer's report. Next slide. Uh, the staff recommendation uh, regarding those uh, potential future uh, conversations with the district we had uh, proposed three um, specific paths forward, uh, one being continued administration of the district in accordance with the Landscape and Lighting District Act and consistent with how we administer other zones in the district. 
Another option could be dissolving the zone and entering into an operating agreement with a newly formed homeowners association. And lastly, just dissolving the district and incorporating the trees into the city's general urban uh, forest. I, I have, well, I first draw attention the latter two, numbers two and three. Um, any dissolution recommendation, the disbursement of any remaining fund balances would be addressed in those dis, um, discussions and with a recommendation brought back to council. I did just want to draw attention to the table I um, put on the side here for just considering the, the makeup of the trees um, on the long block. You'll see those remaining American elms. Those are the old elms. Um, and then the other trees, um, while not all, but most of them do exist uh, in our urban forest and um, are seen in our uh, master uh, tree plan. Next slide. Uh, lastly, uh, staff does recommend um, that we continue with the already contracted and funding testing and potential removal um, of the old elms. This was budgeted in the 22-23 um, budget uh, and the breakdown of that expense, um, testing upwards of 20,000 and then the removal should all, was based on nine, now 10 would be about 18,000. Um, again, this is consistent with past practice for how we've managed the diseased elms um, in the zone and aligned with the city contribution of funds um, to the um, district. That was my last slide. Was that your, and was yep. that your last comment? You don't need more time? Uh, nope, I'm nope. ready for questions. All right, thank you. Um, so we probably have clarifying questions from the council and I'm sure we have public comment, um, maybe in the audience and also remote. So. Before we go to public comment, do we have any clarifying questions from the council? Council member Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. I have a legal question. Um, is it the city attorney's position, or what is the position of the city in regards to the validity of this alleged MOU from 1988? Mr. Aslanian, or I believe that would be you. Because <laughs> Mr. Shannon is not responding, sorry. Thank and you, feel free to raise that microphone a little. I know you're tall. Thank you, Council Member. Uh, the, uh, upon review by our office, um, we determined the MOU uh, was not authorized by the full council. Um, it was only uh, signed by two, um, by the former mayor and former city manager, as well as several residents. So it would not, um, would not necessarily have the weight of a of an authorization uh, enacted by the full council. So, is it uh, the city attorney's position that it is a valid enforceable document or not? Um, I would say that that is um, that is a an issue that both there are reasonable arguments on both sides. I would say it's not necessarily a clear cut, um, a, a clear cut issue. So, so if the city wanted to continue having this in effect, would we need to have council vote to, a majority of council vote to approve this MOU? That, that would be our recommendation, council member, that the full council, if it were to desire to move forward with a full MOU, uh, with an MOU in some form, that the full council vote and, and potentially authorize that so the MOU going forward in whatever form has the full weight of the entire council behind it. Um, and 
there's there's clarity as to whether the full council has acted on the MOU. Uh, I, okay, so since there needs clarity to determine whether or not uh, uh, it is enforceable is what I'm hearing, uh, then that's, a, I think that 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 the position I'm hearing from, so I want, I would like confirmation then that whether or not it is the city's position that this is a valid enforceable MOU. So I'm gonna actually look to the city attorney, uh, even Jen, when we ask about the city's legal position, Mr. City Attorney. Um, council member, I think it is our view that a contract that is not authorized by the council when it, where it needs to be um, has serious legal com uh, deficiencies. And so if, it is our view, as Mr. Eslanian has indicated, that if the council wished for it to actually be a legally binding document, that it should be ratified by the council. Thank you very much. Uh, Councilmember Vela. I, yeah, I was gonna ask a, a kind of an inverse question, which is, uh, could an individual member of the council and uh, interim city manager go out and execute a legally binding document? Uh, with regards to taxpayer dollars and what that process would look like, uh, Mr. Shen, uh, our position would be would be that that is not a, a lawful contract executed by the city. Thank you. Any further clarifying questions, Vice Mayor Daysak? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, this is for uh, staff, uh, who, whoever is the correct staff. Um, so my understanding of the situation, uh, the concerns of the Bay Street residents is that, um, that funds that are supposed to be used for enhanced services have been used for normal services, uh, what, what, what constitutes to them normal routine services that, that their basic you know, property tax Dollars, not not the not the um, the incremental fee, but but their basic you know ad valorem property tax. Um, so can you speak to that? Particularly, can you speak to you know the criteria by which what 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 is guiding you know what constitutes enhanced service relative to uh, tree service that any neighborhood should get uh, get because of the, by virtue of the fact that they pay through their property taxes. Ms. Smith, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question, uh, Vice Mayor. Um, so the old, the American Elms, then in, in and of itself is an enhanced, is a special tree. They were, they were diseased and the district was formed to prolong their existence. So just that very inherent nature of the zone is somewhat unique and special from the remainder of the urban forest. Um, I also think that, um, to answer your question slightly differently, um, the regular maintenance uh, would include a form of uh, five-year trimming schedule. We do have testing of trees that are outside the zone. We do remove trees outside the zone. We do plant trees outside the zone. So those are all regular uh, maintenance services provided under the urban forest, mm -hmm. specifically to the zone when the trees were planted, they have have asked and requested for a larger tree size and zone dollars are used for that purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and I think really the crux of where some misalignment um, is, is the removal and the testing, because yes, we do do that outside of the zone. However, um, 
staff's understanding um, and past practice has been, as you see, the general fund contribution into the fund. So there is a commingling of funds. Um, and that then uh, when there is removal work, um, the cost of that removal work comes from the zone. I, I think, and the other thing in relation to maybe where a lot of this is daylighting now is I think that we haven't had this sort of um, removal and large-scale investment. Um, and so it, that misalignment hasn't really come up uh, recently that this is how we've been administering the district. I just don't know that we each, the, the uh, property owners and the city staff just didn't have an understanding of each other's understanding, if that makes sense. Vice Mayor Desal, could I, or oh, Mayor, please, could I add I just want to add, so just to put a finer point, I think, yes, part of the commingling and the use of general funds, but also the fact that because these are more susceptible to disease and this type of tree is more susceptible to, to disease, there is a need to test and potentially then remove more frequently or to have those things happen. And so we do believe that this is part of that enhanced maintenance is because of um, the trees being susceptible to the disease and the formation of this district to address that issue. Thank you. Thank you. Offer you, Vice Mayor. Okay, Councilmember Jensen. Uh, in your presentation, you talked about the assessment and um, the historical assessment since 2000, about 2009 to 2023, that there had been 54,600 collected. Is and these are assessments that are voted on by the City Council each year. Correct. Yeah, just as you did in the previous item. Normally, Zone 7 would have been included with the rest of the zones, and there's a, a prescribed legal process with that last step being an engineer's report. Um, in the previous item, and I'm not, maybe I'm just not seeing it, doesn't have a number. It doesn't have an amount, assessment amount for um, each district. And I think you mentioned $150 was the amount that was being discussed for this district at one time. How? Is it unique that District 7 has an amount associated with it of $150 either this year or last year that's not being recommended to be assessed? And I know that this was the previous item, but it seems like the other landscape and lighting districts where we approved a resolution to levy an assessment, but it didn't have any number associated with it. So I do believe that in that engineer's report, there is a table for each zone, and in that table is the proposed total revenue that would come in from uh, in, in the individual property owner assessment rate. So I am not looking at the entirety of the engineer's report, but I do believe that's in there. I, I'm looking at it, um, Councilmember Jensen and, and Ms. Smith. So if you go back to item 7-B, um, and the engineer's report is um, for all the land, lighting landscaping distance, districts we just voted on, and that attachment is um, attachment, um, excuse me, exhibit to the engineer's report, <clears throat> and you will see that it lays out the dollar amounts. So for every year that this lighting, that Zone 7 has been in place, there would be um, data available to see what the assessment was for each of the, of the parcels in that. That's correct. In the 10-year, it's actually, I think, a 13-year historic uh, look back that was part of there shows one of the columns is that uh, per property assessment. And you'll see some years it ranged from 150, some years it was 100, and some years there was no assessment. And was there a fund balance prior to 2009 or whenever the 
that's uh, as far back as we look, there, there was. Um, this is what is uh, per our retention policy coming out of our finance department, but there's certainly this would be this sort of rolling fund balance, if you will, would have been in existence since the formation of the zone. Exactly. No, I understand that, but I, it, it appears that there would, this didn't start from zero in 2009, so there would have been either a balance or a deficit at that time, and that would be easily available since there are tax records and these were levied and approved by the council in, in the 20 years prior to 2009. If I'm understanding your question, it looks like on the table in the year 2010-2011, which is when we, oh, we go back, there was an ending fund balance of about $49,000 based on the table. And so that's, we're confident that that was the ending fund balance. At the time that, right, so yes, that is what we have in our records. And um, then my last question is for the city attorney or for Mr. Sly. Um Given that this resolution we've we've heard and we understand that this resolution wasn't approved by the city council and it may not have been um, uh, there may not have been the authority would you say to um, levy these assessments w if i were um, a resident on bay street would i have any um would i have any remedy for the levying of these assessments without um actually being legal over the past 30 odd years or so? Council member, perhaps I'll, I'll start and my colleague can, uh, can help me if I'm wrong. Um, the, with respect to your question on assessments, we do believe that the city always had the right to levy assessments because our ability to levy assessments uh, comes from authority granted to us under state law um, and adopted subsequently by the council through the regular process. So I don't think that we call into question the formation of the district, nor do we call into question the council's assessments. Um, the only thing that, is, that appears to be outside of regular process and authority uh, is the MOU, right? That's the overlay on top of the district that uh, on its face gives residents um, significant control over the expenditure of those assessment funds. Um, that MOU um, is one where council never acted, at, at least there were no records of council acting. Um, the city attorney's office never reviewed that uh, MOU based on the face of the document nor historical records, uh, whereas our office would normally approve such documents as to form. Uh, and so all of those indicia indicates that, that the document that's most um, in question is the MOU, and the issue really is the, whether the residents have any control of the city's expenditure of those funds. The, the fund's existence is not, we do not believe, is a legal problem. Okay, well, no, that's, that's helpful. And, and I just, when I, what we were talking about the prior, um, the prior item, I, I, I heard in the presentation that the, um, the lighting and landscape assessment districts were passed by council through resolution. And so that wasn't necessary, is that, that, that these lighting and landscape assessments districts do not have to be passed by council through resolution, or as um, we heard from the, the public works director, it's possible to amend, to have a, a district amended in as district seven was. So council member, there was a council resolution establishing the district. The council did act to establish the district. 
the council simply did not approve the MOU, which occurred sometime after formation. Thank you. Any further clarifying questions before we go to the public comment? Council Member Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. I also would like to clarify the 98,000 uh, fiscal year 2021-22 closing balance. It's um, $98,308.32. Was all of that money collected from assessments from the residents? Is any of that money put in the, this fund that was city money separate from the assessments? Yes, so the th um, third, fourth column over from the left, annual city contribution is a component of the revenue into the fund, and that fund balance considers not only these past years, but you know the accumulation of the city contribution. Uh, we're just showing the last 13 years here, but that $3,000 per year is part of the fund balance. So does the city have an idea of how much money is actually from the residents versus the city? Is uh, that 98,000? So in the last this 10 or 13 year snapshot, I, uh, this slide I had up, I think it is uh, 59, um, sorry, in the key takeaways, 54,600 from property assessments and 39,000 from general fund contribution. And then that equals the 98,000? No, that's just total revenue over the last 13 years. Fund balance is also taking into consideration expenses during that time. All right, so um, I wanted to um, dissolve the uh, district and return to the taxpayers the um, monies that they paid into this that we currently have that, that we can trace that would be from them? Do we have an idea of what that number is? We would have an idea of what the fund balance is. Again, expenses aren't tracked by revenue source historically, um, but staff following direction to dissolve the, the district could get into the specifics of the numbers and make a proposal to council for consideration that would include sources into the fund balance and, and how those would be dispersed uh, per council's direction. But we don't have those numbers at this time, correct? Because of the commingling of revenue and the lack of ability to track expenses by revenue type, it's not, but we can certainly make a recommendation to council. You know, if I could just add, and correct if I'm wrong, but if we were to dissolve, I think legally the fund balance returns to the city, so then the council, if they wanted to disperse the funds back to the property owners, would provide us with that direction, and then we would bring that as kind of a separate budget item to disperse the, the remaining fund balance. In some way, it could be, the direction could be all of that back to the property owners, or it could be based on some sort of pro rata share of contributions from the general fund versus the property owners. So if that is where the council wants to go, then some direction about how those funds, you may, do you want to disperse the funds back, first of all, and then if you do, do you want to give us some direction about how to apportion those? So there's a lot of different ways that we could do that. And then also just there are, there are the budget numbers for this coming year as well of, what was that, the 28,000? So the net fund balance, assuming the full budget for this year is $17,000 remaining fund balance. Thank you. Okay, I'm not seeing any other hands up, so thank you, Ms. Smith, and we will go to public comment. 
first up is there's we'll call three uh, Roger Wise, Gig Kadiga, and Felicia Reed with um, Roger Wise up first. Welcome. And come on up, and you've probably seen this before. Um, get close to the microphone um, and yeah, make it comfortable for you so we can hear you. Good evening. Good evening, Mayor, <clears throat> City Council. Uh, as a longtime 24 year resident of Alameda, 21 years on Bay Street, I've uh, proudly raised three daughters, graduated from Mencinal High School. They're all in college in the California state system. I very much appreciate. The, the city's partnership with Bay Street in terms of helping us to maintain the beauty and the direction that our landscape and lighting district has taken all these years. My wife and I have willingly and gladly paid the special assessment funds in addition to our property taxes for all the 21 years that we lived on Bay Street. We definitely appreciate the city's effort to preserve our trees. We would like, <clears throat> we've always understood that the special assessment allows us to help the preservation of the trees via the city's contribution, but as a supplement in order to do things the city couldn't afford or have larger trees planted than would normally be the urban forest standard. I'm here to ask the city to direct uh, the general funds to be used to pay for the regular maintenance and removal of trees and to use our special assessment for things like planting larger trees above and beyond what the city can afford or would otherwise uh, be able to plant. We like our, our street, we love our city, and we, we just wanna continue that relationship and have the maintenance of our block be above and beyond what normal city blocks would have, and we're willing to help pay for that. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Gig Kadika. Welcome. Honorable Mayor, City Council members, and City staff, thank you very much for having us here today. Uh, my name is Gig Kadiga, 1242 Bay Street. Um, our landscape and lighting district was established with the advice and guidance of the City uh, uh, Head of Public Work, Bill Norton, and uh, with the full execution by the parties. So I have a struggle with what you're saying, but that's okay. There's variations there. Our district was established to protect the tree canopy with the sole purpose to pay enhanced maintenance, and that's the resolution that we have in play. The city pays for tree maintenance for all other residential districts and neighborhoods, including those like Gibbons that have their canopy, of which they get from the general funds. We are already paying into the general fund, as do other property owners in Alameda, for tree services by the city. Thus using this special assessment fund uh, to pay the city to do those services means we're double paying the city for the same job that's being done elsewhere. The city has followed the MOU and resolution and its intent and purpose for over 35 years. So there is precedence here for behavior. Only in the last three years has the current staff been oriented, changed its orientation, and ignored previous understanding and of the parties. And without notice to the block and budgetary practice to dramatically deplete the special assessment funds to pay for tree maintenance provided to all other neighborhoods at no additional cost. These funds should be replaced into this fund for the special enhancement purposes. These documents clearly establish boundaries 
and responsibilities. The, re the uh, resolution is clear, whereas the stated purpose for the petition of the assessment district is to provide enhanced maintenance. Quote, those are quotes. Furthermore, the MOU and resolution clearly intended, quote, in no event should the city of Alameda unilaterally spend the money nor assess the district, unquote. Modifying the agreement is not aligned with the good faith of both parties. The facts are clear. Until otherwise resolved, the city must abide by the agreements and continue the 37 years of collaboration that has worked well to protect the urban forests on Bay Street and thus stay true to the mutual intended and agreed upon MOU and resolution. We are strong by that and we'll stand by that. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker, Felicia Reed. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. Thanks for having us here and uh, moving us up on the agenda. Um, I want to speak, first of all, to the resolution that was adopted, passed in 1986. It says that not only was the district established for enhanced maintenance, but the, the assessments and the use of those funds were to be determined by the property owners and the city. In other words, the property owners have a veto, and, and that's simply reflected then in more detail in the MOU. Um, I can't remember if I said my name, Felicia Reed. I live at 12, okay. <laughs> 1215 Bay Street. Um, we've lived there for 25 years. And uh, many years ago, I, it just brought to mind when an important adult broke a promise to my son. My son said to me, Mom, this is a major disappointment. But the reality was he felt betrayed. And there are a lot of those feelings on our, on our block. Extreme disappointment verging on betrayal. The promises that the block has relied on involuntarily paying special assessments as determined by us beyond our property taxes are being ignored. We're disappointed to learn that the city, and just learned this, that the city has commingled general fund allocations for our block with our special assessment funds and cannot account for the respective balances. We heard that tonight. The accounting goes back only 10, 12 years. Uh, we can tell you that based on our records, virtually all of the monies in the Zone 7 fund are unspent special assessment monies, earmarked for enhanced maintenance as defined by the owners. Staff's accounting, again, is inadequate and incomplete. In the early 2000s, for example, we paid special assessments totaling more than $13,000 annually, more than four times the city's annual general fund contribution. The accounting doesn't reflect this. It was too long ago. It does confirm, however, that general fund contributions that have been made are zeroed out by the city's administrative allocations with little, if anything, spent recently for enhanced maintenance. We ask that the City Council rectify the situation. 
by directing the tree testing, removal, and replacement for both, both the current and the next fiscal year be paid only from general fund monies. Thank, Thank you. you. Our next speaker. Um, we have no remote speaker, so I'll call the next two in person. Uh, Tom, Gary, and Julie Connor. All right. Tom Welcome. Good evening. Thank you for having us. And go here. ahead, sir, and bring that microphone up a little straighter so you can be heard. <clears throat> Great. Thank you. Uh, my name is Tom Geary. I uh, moved to Alameda when I was three, attended Franklin School, went to the West End, but I was born in Oakland. And the reason I bring up Oakland is that every day as I'm driving home through Oakland, uh, and even going through areas in Alameda, I'm I look at, at areas of blight and it's distressing. I wonder what is behind it. Did, did you know, what, what's gone on? Have, have people just kind of given up? I don't know, but, but the notion is sad to me. Uh, moving, moving forward, about 12 years ago, we, we moved, we were lucky enough to get a place on Bay Street. Uh, the reason, though, the street is so nice has little to do with luck. Uh, our predecessors, some of my neighbors are here, in fact, made a plan and paid to keep our blocks special, getting rid of overhead wires, uh, saving trees that most neighborhoods in places like Oakland lost. Uh, this, to me, is an incredible thing. Who does this sort of thing? I wish I'd come up with the kind of initiative to do this. I suspect we all do. To me, our neighborhood should be celebrated for a vision, for its civic pride, for its commitment, not penalized. Yet an agreement designed to keep the, the neighborhood beautiful for generations, the city attorney somehow wants to dismiss. Who and why are we setting these priorities? Our plan was to fund enhancements. It's obvious. Why form a district and charge ourselves more? to get baseline services. I urge you to direct city staff to reassess their priorities, to fund uh, normal maintenance from the general fund, just like all other neighborhoods in the city. Please, let's give 40 years of conservation and Alameda pride the benefit of the doubt. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker. Julie Connor. Welcome. Thank you, good evening. I'm gonna back clean up here uh, where we try to strategize and not uh, waste your time hearing the same, same statement multiple times. Um, first, to address your question, Councilmember Jensen, every, every levy that has been assessed of our block, we have correspondence that, um, thanks to Dee, one of our original founders, has been kept. Every assessment charged has been approved bond by our, neighbor, by our neighborhood. So it was never done without our consent. The last one was, and you will remember that we filed a uh, notice of petition against that levy signed by 37 of 38 block members. Um, then to, to address the accounting that was provided since 2010 that the city staff is uh, urging you to use as evidence that, cities, that the special zone assessments were used for testing and removal, that actually bolsters our side of the thing because we asked for that testing and we approved of the expenditures on the testing and removal of those trees. That's what our records show. So the expenditures there for testing and removal were approved by our district. 
which again counters the city staff's point here that there's evidence of testing and removal paid for, paid for from our zone that was always done with our consent until this last year. Uh, last on this one, um, we have several requests for improvements that have been requested by our block. We have a $28,000 expenditure that's been requested two years in a row to remove underperforming trees. There's eight of them at a budget that we've estimated will cost 28,000 to remove and replant. And then we also estimate that we would be asking for an additional $20,000 spend to replant bigger trees if the city determines that the 10 need to come out so that we're already at a $50,000 spend on things that we are asking to supplement of the city budget. So uh, one thing I do wanna clarify is we were originally asking that the district be uh, dissolved tonight. We're no longer requesting that it be dissolved tonight. We are asking that you direct city staff to use general funds to cover the testing and removal and that to use our special assessment funds to address and allow us to plant bigger trees and replace the uh, underperforming trees, which will spend us down. And then we will expect at that time to come to you and request to dissolve the district after our funds have been spent to supplement the city's efforts. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker? That was our last speaker. All right, we then close public comment on item 7C and we go to um, council comments. Um, Council, Council Member Harris Spencer. All right, thank you. I want to thank the public speakers. Um, so I want to ask, we just heard from the last speaker, what if, uh, uh, is that something the city could do? Could we allocate, um, my understanding is 20, 28,000 for the expenditure to remove eight trees um, and then 20,000 to spend to replant bigger trees and could staff work with the Bay Street residents to clarify exactly what they wanna do and then could we use city funds uh, for the testing and removal of trees and then bring the item back to um, uh, dissolve the district at some point? We can, based on what the council directs us to do, we, are, we will, we will try to do it. I think it's just a question of what, what the council wants to direct us to do. Okay, so I would like to frame that as a motion uh, in regards to uh, the direction to give to uh, staff and would you need clarification or do you understand what, what I'm trying to say here? Um, the I multiple also, points. I, I also see uh, Councilmember Velva's hand up so I'm gonna call on her next. Through the chair, I, I have a question because we're talking about eight trees and ten trees, and there was a list of the of the trees that are on the block, and understanding that some of those trees require different things, and there might be different costs. So rather than just kind of use the word trees and give numbers, can we get a little more information? I it just yeah. so can <laughs> I, I think just we, try we, to see what I think I'm, I'm worried but about, I'm, and I'm not sure I entirely. But I understand that you the thirty-seven thousand five hundred that was approved in the mid-year budget that's already been approved. What you would be doing is essentially agreeing to refund the Zone Seven fund that money from the general fund and pay for those expenses is, um, for testing and removal. That would that's number one. Then that would then free up there would be more fund balance, and then that fund balance would be used to replace the trees that have to be removed because they were diseased and dead and unsafe, um, that we think that 
we're not sure exactly right because it depends on how many trees end up having to come down but we have numbers here that for the budget of about 28,000 budgeted for tree planting some insecticide injections for the lindens and other pest control so let's say some amount of money for replanting the trees that have to be removed um, and then I think there was a third item well I thought uh, to work with the Bay Street residents to make sure but also then at some point have it come back to dissolve the district is what I heard yeah, and it sounds like they want to dissolve it after essentially those refunds happen and then based on whatever that fund balance is left, they dissolve the zone and then that remaining fund balance gets dispersed to them is what I think they're suggesting. And including planting the bigger trees, that's, that's what they yeah, like so to have the extra money be spent I'm, on. Yeah, so the money would, we would, general fund would refund the 37.5. We would then use the fund balance to replant bigger trees. I don't know what that is exactly because it depends on mm -hmm. how many trees have to get replanted. And then that net fund balance would get, we would dissolve the zone at that point and then refund the fund balance at that point, which would be more than the 17,000 that would be left if we had both the budget, if essentially we went forward with both of our budgets. I think that's what they're suggesting, what I think you're suggesting. I'm, I'm not Council saying staff's Member. recommending that, I'm just trying okay. to clarify, yeah. I think Councilmember Vela, is your hand up or? Your hand's up, okay, go ahead. So, but in the staff report it says that the, that the, it was the Arborist report that requested the additional testing and noted it on the previous report for the Elms, but that the testing had not occurred yet. Right, so we, that's being done right now. They're currently testing like this week? I think within the last couple weeks, yes. Do you want to confirm that, Ms. Smith? <laughs> I could see you nodding, but just to have it in the record. The testing is actually con uh, being conducted this week. It's um, the original analysis was based on visual, and then this is kind of that second level review. They do a resistograph to um, understand the extent of decay, and yes, that is like literally happening right now. And so if if we had an arborist report that says these trees need to be tested and we didn't test and something happened, who's liable? Is there liability? Is this a question for the city attorney? That's the city attorney. So um, go ahead, city attorney. Um, council member, if um, these trees fail for some reason and creates injury, the city's primarily li liable, the pro adjacent property owners might have secondary liability. Are we? When we have an arborist report that says additional testing, that report was that report the, the original one, not not the actions after, but that that original report that additional testing is needed. Did we share that with the HOA? Uh, with the it's property not, owners not in the zone, not the HOA, but the yes, zone. Yes, they sorry. are familiar with the Bartlett. It's called the Bartlett report. Yes. And so, I I, th I think my concern is. And, and the only trees being tested are the elm trees, is that? So the current or? testing is related to the remaining old American elms that get Dutch elm disease. Since many of the Dutch elm, many of the American elms that have already succumbed to the disease have been replanted with uh, elm hybrids, so they're disease resistant. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the last public speaker talked about underperforming elms, so there's two sets of trees we're talking about. There's removal of the diseased old elms. That is the 37,500 that's appropriated in this fiscal year. So that would create 10 vacancies. Plus there's eight hybrid elms that the property owners, we 
I understand are underperforming and they would like those to be taken out and removed. So two sets of trees, that help clarify? Yes, and we're waiting on the final arborist report as to whether or not the removal is actually necessary. So we're almost assuming that Correct. removal is required. The projections, the 37.5 assumes all 10 American elms will need to be removed. We just budgeted for that to be conservative. Mm -hmm. And how long would we, do we typically wait if we get an arborist report saying that a tree needs to be removed? Uh, depending upon the results, we would act quickly. 20, it could be as quickly as imminent, depending upon what those results are. Thank you. So did you want to go next, Vice Mayor? Sure. You had that look about you. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thank you very much uh, to everyone. Thank you very much for the emails from uh, so many residents. We certainly appreciate it. Um, I'm beginning to look at this uh, at a more fundamental level. I think um, what we have before us uh, in the landscaping lighting district number seven that was created um, back in the 1980s was an animal, an LLD animal that had a unique feature to it. And that feature was one in which um, the consent of those who are taxed um, had to be um, obtained um, when it comes to spending certain, uh, when it comes to spending the, the uh, revenues um, for enhanced services. So it was the consent of the residents that is required. And that's a unique um, animal with regard to the LLDs. Um, and it is completely possible that, you know, come 2020 or 2019, um, that, uh, that um, city staff might have um, made some alterations to the longstanding practice and the alterations to the longstanding practice, um, the hat upon which, um, uh, well, it, uh, it, it was based upon, the decision to alter the, the longstanding practice was based upon um, uh, the fact that the MOU was not of the order that, that we, the city council or the city staff, normally enter into. Uh, while that might be technically correct, that it is not of the order of uh, MOU slash contract that the city of Alameda um, typically enters into. Nonetheless, the agreement that was made in the 1980s um, provides us with, in addition to quasi MOU uh, slash contractual language, it, it, it is a guiding document. It is a, in effect a policy document with regard to the LLD. It's a unique policy document. And I think what the residents at, at the most basic level are asking for is to return to that. Um, but with a caveat now in light of the um, difficulties that have occurred in the last two years. And so I think the, um, the clearest line between two points um, is simply to um, A, um, do the testing per the general fund as requested, um, perhaps, perhaps because maybe the testing was done as a general fund matter before, or, or maybe it was done on a, on, a, um, uh, on a decision made by the residents as an enhanced service before, it doesn't matter. Um, given the, the, the difficulties that have happened in the past two years, I think the return uh, to the covering of the testing of, of certain trees um, uh, via the general fund, it sounds reasonable. 
my suggestion with regard to what to do then when it comes to enhanced services, my suggestion is not to necessarily prescribe from this dais um, how to do it, but rather, frankly, to go back to the way that we had done is to direct staff to work and receive the consent of the, um, of the residents. Because it's completely possible that maybe the, the, the things that people, the last person uh, mentioned, uh, maybe, maybe that might not be it. Maybe three weeks down the road, you might determine that's not it. Um, but the bottom line, though, is I think it's better to return to when it comes to the enhanced services. I think it's better to return to the the, um, the original policy slash guiding slash MOU slash quasi contractual um, LLD. Um, I mean, I appreciate the work of our staff, uh, city manager and city attorney. Um, that's why we hire them uh, to give us the, their advice. And I think the advice that they gave with regard to the MOU, not being of the contractual type that we normally deal with, I, it's spot on. You know, we, 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 that's why we hire Eben uh, and his staff. Um, but I think we need to look at that 1988 MOU, not so much in the with the contractual um, uh, lens, but rather more as a policy guiding document that I think is is, is until we um, reverse that policy is still the policy, and so returning to it, um, I see no problem. And but my suggestion though is is that when it comes to the enhanced services, is to have staff work with. Um, um, the residents of, uh, of LLD 7 um, in the way that we had um, for many of the 37 years that have been in place. Okay, I see Councilmember Ravella's hand up again. Go to I, you next. I, so I'm trying to understand, which is that the position being taken, I guess, by some of, some of the members of the council is that um, even as a fiduciary of the city that um, there could be some sort of policy or agreement in place wherein somebody could create additional liability and then we would still be on the hook to pay the full cost. I, I just, I'm trying to understand it because I think, here's my concern and I, I, if it wasn't the American elm trees, if it was a different set of trees, I could follow what's being asked. Um, I, I, we don't, we're, we're assuming removal but we don't know that they need to be removed but they are a holdover from what was there, and there is a re professional recommendation to do the testing, and I do worry about the liability. And part of the enhancement was to do the testing to maintain, ultimately, to maintain these trees, which don't, you know, we've we've kind of moved away from from keeping those trees. I I do worry about taking an interpretation that then says that we could not remove the trees without the consent of members of this zone if it's creating liability from the city and I don't know that there's some sort of waiver document or something like that because I didn't necessarily hear that there was, I mean I heard consent from, or, or not consent, but I heard kind of a proposal being thrown out which was that the city cover all of those costs essentially, um, which is a, a little bit, if it wasn't those trees I could, I could understand that argument, but because it's those trees specifically, I'm, that's where I think I'm not necessarily in agreement, but I, th I, I do understand getting, you know, the process of having worked with the, the, home, the, the lighting district, but I do worry about essentially kind of 
saying that we would then have to be bound by that in a case where liability could be created. So that's, that's what I'm kind of trying to understand in terms of the conversation uh, happening at the dais tonight. And uh, do you want to respond to that? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. My sense is when it comes to liability of trees, it's a liability that we, that we have in any landscape lighting district. It's a liability that the city of Alameda has in any um, um, uh, other neighborhood. If, if we decide uh, wrongly with regard to the uh, maintenance and, and ma maintenance of a tree, um, we are potentially liable. Um, at, but at the end of the day, that's why we hire you know, professionals uh, within the Public Works Department and the City Staff Department um, to help us you know, uh, manage those situations. Um, so you know, um, that's part of being a council member, as I think you know, understanding what, with eyes wide open um, what we're getting into and, and relying on staff to give us guidance with, when it comes to um, liabilities. When I look at this um, memorandum of understanding, to me it's not a contract. All it is is a policy document saying how we're going to um, um, work with the residents and take their input policy document. If, if the um, city staff, the city attorney's office or the public works to determine that there is an incredible liability, well, we'll deal with it when it comes and, and the residents will have to, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have that conversation and the residents will make a reasonable um, uh, determination and, or we the council will make the final determination. Did you want to say something, city manager? I just want to be, I mean, I guess we would remove the unsafe trees, right? And we would use general funds to do that is what we would do if, if the desire is to allow for the consent that we would have to get consent and they didn't give it to us, you know, we would have to remove the trees using other Thank funds. Uh, Councilmember Bella. But, but I, I guess I'm looking again at the, the memorandum of understanding and I'm just wondering would they then have, if, if they're saying no, this is an enforceable document, you have to have our consent, we don't give our consent. I, I guess I'm trying to understand where we then would have the right to remove something because they're now kind of taking a position that they have to consent for any action to be taken. I don't, I don't understand how we could then just use city funds to remove it or if it then creates another right of action potentially, if, if that's the position that's being taken. Because I'm, I'm trying to, looking at the document as a whole, if that's the position, I, 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 I just. I'm gonna jump in here because I haven't spoken about this yet. Um, I, I have a major problem with the MOU and um, for a number of reasons, largely the lack of transparency. I mean, here we have a document signed by the mayor of the city at the time and the interim city manager, but never brought back to the council, never run by the city attorney or any other members of staff. That would at the very least garner an open government complaint today and also, this is a way, I don't doubt that things were done once upon a time in Alameda, but it's not a practice that we should carry forward. And there are so many things, I mean, we have attorneys looking over this, but I'm also an attorney, <laughs> a recovering attorney. And when I just, I look at that last paragraph that says that um, the, the district attorney, uh, the district representative, not that any district representative is actually identified in this document, um, 
must that the, the um, the, they must um, approve the work to be performed at the city's expense. So I, I think we need to set that aside. And I, um, I do think we need to take care of some things, but I want to just remind everyone listening um, to keep this item in perspective. This is a beautiful block of, of our city. It's, we have a beautiful city and a lot of really dedicated neighbors. We're a city of almost 80,000 residents who live in approximately 30,000 households. And this item concerns the trees on two residential blocks, which is actually one long residential block, and the owners of 38 homes on those blocks. And staff, I give staff credit, you've spent an inordinate amount of time working with the neighbors, meeting, um, discussing among yourselves, trying to come to a solution that pleases everyone. Um, I've been in public service long enough to know that you just can't please everyone all the time. But I do think that it's incumbent upon us to make some decisions going forward. For instance, just this weekend, we had some really high winds. And whenever I'm out, I was out walking with my husband, actually out in the Harbor Bay um, Business Parkway, and I always say this when it's windy, I hope all the branches stay on the trees and I hope all the trees stay in the ground and that I don't read a report you know, later tonight that says a tree fell on a, a house, a car, God forbid, a person. And so I do worry about this. And I, I believe the residents of, of this block worry about it too. I'm also concerned with equity. And it does seem that what we're being asked to do is treating some neighborhoods differently than others. The very fact that they wanted certain special trees, and I grant you that they're beautiful trees, but they have proved to be problematic. And yet, the, you know, we're being asked as a city to use the general fund to pay for the testing and possible treatment and removal. I'll set that aside for now. But moving forward, I do think we need to dissolve this district. We can't do it tonight because it's not on the agenda. I think we need to dissolve it, and I think we need to just fold it into the landscape and lighting districts for the rest of the city. I don't think we have the staff time and ability to focus so much attention on 38, 38 households. And so, um, let's find a way to move forward to figure out what needs to be done now, but I very much defer to the professional opinion of the arborists, and again, this is in the best interest of the city, our fiduciary duty to protect ourselves and our residents, but ourselves from liability and our residents from, from harm, and let's figure out a way to do this, who pays for what, at the end of the day, as I understand it, when a district is resolved, there's a dissolved, there's um, a refund, well, it's through the city council, but a disbursement, possible disbursement back to the residents. I don't object to any of that. What I just would like to have staff do is um, I'd like to see a motion passed to have staff come back to us with the direction about what needs to be done with the trees and um, to get that done and the price for it. And then I happen to think that the trees that are outside of the city's palette of trees probably should be um, treated as um, paid for by the zone. But at the end of the day, 
we are not talking about a huge amount of money, five figures and like mid five figures. And so I just don't want to spend an inordinate amount of staff time moving forward on this. So I very much understand what um, the residents have tried to accomplish, but I just can't say that we are going to um, follow a memorandum that um, shouldn't have been entered into in the manner it was in the first place. But I think we need to have a path forward now and to do it expeditiously um, before trees start falling. Councilor Jensen, we haven't heard from you. Thank you, um, Mayor Ziashkoff. As we've learned, um, the, this, the establishment of Zone 7, it seems to me it was based on assumptions and expectations both of, for the residents and of city staff. And it, during, over the course of the past 36 years, there's been, there's been some great things that have happened. The trees were planted, which, you know, I, I don't think that the city was planting trees that they knew were gonna fail. So the city has to bear some responsibility for planting of the trees. But there was also some confusion regarding who would be the lead and who, where the guidance would come from and how much guidance the city would provide. So. I um, agree with most of the comments of my colleagues, I, but I, and I think the path forward would be one for the city to take on the responsibility and costs of testing and removal of up to 19 trees. As I understand it, there are 19 trees, including the Dutch elm and the American elm. The city would take that responsibility on, and then the city would work with residents to identify the appropriate replacement trees that are part of our urban forest that are available, but maybe better than the trees that we would normally plant on another street using just GPF and plant those trees with the support of the residents using the, the fund balance for the assessment zone. And then at that time to when those trees are in place, then zone seven would be dissolved. So, um, Councilmember Jensen, I have a question. As I understand it, the ten tree, the nineteen trees. But Miss Smith, tell me if Sorry, I'm there's wrong. There's ten trees. Well, how do we get to nineteen? I don't. It, I don't know where the nineteen. There's ten. There's ten. There's ten American elms, old American elms right. that are being tested and potentially removed. Okay. And Ms. Smith, do you want to add any trees or clarify? Uh, the additional trees that came up in conversation tonight were brought up by one of the public speakers, and they have to do with uh, their elm cultivars. They're not American elm. Okay. They are a disease-resistant elm. A hybrid. They're, we do, they're a hybrid. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know specifics, but I know that there is a general sentiment. I don't know if it's universal amongst the owners that those hybrids are underperforming. They're not diseased, they're not sickened, they're underperforming. So, okay, let me just clarify. So I just want to clear that's not in our budget. So what's in the budget, the 37,000. That's not my question. Yeah. Let me just finish. Yeah. So these 10 trees, who chose those trees? I, I don't have that sense of history. So my understanding is the American elms were a uh, uh, very popular tree in the 19th and 20th century and put over, and they were they were in existence before the zone existed. Dutch elm disease came to town, and the zone was formed to slow the progression okay. of the so disease. So those trees predate the formation of the district? That's my understanding. Okay. Councilor Villa, then Councilor Harris Spencer. But the, the additional, additional nine, nine are hybrid elms that they've been since replaced. Who, who chose those? Those, because those were replacements. The property owners within the district. 
yeah. without any input from the city? We knew that they, we had zone dollars. Now, I certainly wasn't here at the time, but there were zone dollars and there was desire on behalf of the property owners to try the hybrid elms. Um, and so zone dollars were used to plant those hybrid elms. So, Councilmember Jensen, I guess my question that I'm trying to understand is if the zone chose those trees, why is it the responsibility of the city to test and treat them? My point was that there has been a lack of communication, confusion, and the establishment of the, the zone seven illustrates that. And um, Mayor Eziashkraft, if you are confident that these trees, that the, that the um, residents of Bay Street went out and picked out these trees and chose them and planted them and had no input from the city regarding this, the, the, if, the ability of those trees to thrive or the ability of those, of those trees to, to um, be, to work in that street, then that's one thing. I disagree. I would think that the residents may have suggested those trees, but the city definitely should. And if they didn't, that, that proves my point as well. If the city said, okay, sure, whatever trees you want, well, that was a failing on our part. And if the city agreed that those trees would be appropriate, then the city should bear some responsibility for the streets that are part of the city of Alameda. So what, if anything, would you think the assessment from of Zone 7 residents should be used for? I'm sorry, I didn't understand. What, what if anything, do you think assessment dollars from the residents of the zone should be used for? For the replacement trees. And they should get to choose them? As they did with the prior trees, they should work with the city and get guidance from the city to choose trees that are part of the urban forest in the city. Uh, unless you, those trees, those elm trees may not have been part of the urban forest, they were not on any list and they just came out of, um, uh, were identified as some unique species that should be planted there. But I, I would hope that at that time, as we heard before, that those elm trees were, some of those elm trees were already on the street and elm trees that were provided as replacements were, were appropriate trees, then I would think that that would be the way to move forward in the future. Okay, and you know, we, I, it's hard to not speculate because neither of us was there, so, um, but, um, okay. Um, Councilmember Villan, then to Councilmember Harris-Spencer. I'm fine with Councilmember Spencer. Okay, go to Councilmember Harris-Spencer. She's had her hand up for a while. As long as I can give comments yes, please. after and ask okay. questions. So, um, I appreciate all the comments from the public as well as my council members up here and the mayor. Um, I believe that my original motion actually addresses is the real good close. Um, the first part is to test, uh, to have the general fund pay for the testing and tree removals. And I would include, of course, any trees that the arborist thinks needs to be removed, they need to be removed. I think we're all in agreement of that. Um, but the, the issue is that general fund monies be used to do the tree removal. I want to um, add, and I'm happy to include up to the 19 trees, underperforming trees, uh, um, and um, you know, whatever trees end up on this list, but if the underperforming trees, I know I had an underperforming tree in front of my house and that was replaced, the city replaced it. Um, we did not pay any money for that. They came out, they saw that it was not growing and it got replaced. Um, but Dutch elms live, their lifespan is 200 to 250 years. So I wanna make sure everyone understands that these trees are very old trees. Um, the trees that have been replaced are on, if you look at the attachments for tonight from, it's under correspondence from staff, 
there's a page uh, four of four, and it has staff's recommendations. The bottom paragraph, planting recommendations, the last line is the hybrid elm that is in fact the tree that the city currently allows to be placed in this zone. So it is on the list, and I know when our tree got replaced, the city gave a list to us, my family, and we chose from this list, and uh, so far that tree's working. Uh, but I, it appears that that, that tree is on this list, the, the replacement tree is on the list. So uh, the first part of my motion was to um, uh, have the general fund pay for the testing of the trees as well as any tree removal, including up to the, which I think it could turn out to be 19 trees or 18 trees. Uh, the second part was that the replacement trees to use these zone funds for enhanced trees and what I heard was instead of doing the small tree do a bigger tree with the monies from these funds to allow them to have bigger trees than it would normally be planted uh, so, right and then um, and then have it come back now I had said uh, direct staff to work with the residents uh, which uh, I think is nice but not necessarily if we don't want that in there because I'm happy not including that because I think we can give sufficient direction tonight. But then the last part was then to have it come back uh, to dissolve uh, uh, and handle that part separately. Councilor Ravella and then Vice Mayor. Sorry. Um, so I, I'm fine with using the general fund to test and remove because I think that there's a liability issue I do not, I, I have a major problem with the language in the MOU that basically a private citizen could stop us from removing <laughs> or, or could stand in front of us in terms of removing or abating uh, a major liability. And I have concerns with that precedent, especially because I have no idea who the district representative is. I have no idea how that's chosen. There's some transparency issues. There's a, a huge amount of liability issues. Um, I do have a concern about how we define underperforming tree and whose definition we're using. Um, and I do have a problem with just removing trees because they're not, you know. So I, I would want to make it very clear that underperformance is not a reason for removal of a tree. I think that that's actually contradictive to, I would want to follow whatever we have in, and I would. I'm fine hearing from um, Director Smith about the city's definition of underperformance and making sure it's adhering to that so that we're not just removing trees that are otherwise healthy. Well, thank you, Council Member Vela. So um, one of the, or, or multiple of the comments from the property owners this evening had to do with the lack of services being performed over the last couple years. That very issue had to do with, quote, underperforming trees. Um, our arborist does not believe that these trees, the not the American elms, we're talking the about the, no, not American oh. elms that get Dutch disease. We're talking about the hybrid the elms. The hybrid elms, got it. Uh, does not believe that they are underperforming or at risk. Um, so further conversation would really need to be had, but as part of our regular urban forest program, we would likely not remove those trees. Just to be clear, we're not testing any of those. We're just testing the 10 American elms that are susceptible to the Dutch elm disease. That's correct. Yeah, so, uh, and I see Councilmember Jensen has- Well, but, I just want to but, appreciate but, that, but, that but clarification. Hello, hello, I'm still running the meeting and you go through me. Um, the vice mayor had his hand up and I'd like to, you didn't, 
you had said before, and I said I was going to call on well, you. Well, I mean, the, the, actually, the, 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 what I was raising my hand was with regard to uh, Councilmember Herrera Spencer's motion. If um, on the the first part was great about general fund money for testing, the second part about um, the uh, LLD money being used for bigger replacement trees. I'm fine with that, but I still want some kind of language with, with, with input from residents. Okay, now Councilmember Jensen. Thank you, I just wanted to um, appreciate Councilmember Vela's comments and, and, and also the input from Public Works Director Smith. That with regard to the additional trees, I didn't mean to include those unless there was some reason for uh, either disease or um, structural reason that they would need to be addressed. So your um, desire to have um, the 19, what was it, um, trees, your, that would be, you had mentioned test, treat, and remove 19 trees, but now you're agreeing with the 10. Okay, thanks for that clarification. Um, I, I definitely think that we cannot give residents veto power over the work to be done. Um, and I just think we need to set this MOU aside and look at what we have and then work toward dissolving this district um, and, and not doing, and just folding it into a regular uh, landscape and lighting district like other neighborhoods. Um, Council Member Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. Um, all right, so the first, First part of the motion, and maybe we could bifurcate this and do one part of the motion. I'm not sure if that would help d uh, do this, but um, testing, f use the general fund monies for testing and tree removal per the arborist um, direction. I'm sorry, say it again, Councilmember. Testing and tree removal being paid from the general fund per the arborist report. Testing treatment, testing. Of the ten, of the ten American elms. Sorry, there's just up to the ten American elms. So many trees. It's just testing and removal. I'm not just. Is that all the arborist okay. is looking at anyway right now? It's testing, and then if they're yeah, diseased so per, and unsafe, removing the ones that are unsafe. Right, mm -hmm. per Back this in. arborist report, which was to look at ten American elm trees. Mm -hmm. Second. Uh, okay. Did I just? Uh, Councilman Jensen. Thank you, um, Madam Mayor. Just to be clear. We're talking about using the fund balance. General know, fund. General fund. Using general, general fund. But there is, uh, I would want to um, also look at the contributions to the, to the zone seven that the city has made. I mean, I think that if your motion is including general funds that were contributed, is that, is that clear? Well, it's a bifurcated motion to use general fund money to do the testing and removal, and that's removal if needed, but you know, uh, of the 10 Dutch elm, American elm? American elm. American elm trees. I'm just clarifying that there was general fund contributions to zone seven, so if we say general fund, we would be including not, Yeah, that's not what I understand the motion to be. Okay. Correct. Oh. These would be other funds not from the fund balance. Go ahead, Councilor Harris. I mean, thank you, Mayor. Correct, this is just separate just general fund monies, like if my tree were anywhere in our city, what we would do for residential trees. So it would be separate from this. But I will address that issue in a, in a subsequent motion, because I was going to break it down and bifurcate, do part, 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 to get through this and hopefully 
do that. I think Councilmember Vella might have an idea. Could I just suggest, because I think it could be one seamless motion, which is that we use general funds uh, to, to, and general fund, general funds, not general funds that have been commingled, mm -hmm. to cover the cost of the testing and necessary removal. The replacement of, of those, any trees that need to be removed would come from the fund balance for the lighting district. And then, no? Because if, but if they just, wanted hands. Just, okay, just, wait, let, let, let oh, Councilman Ravella finish oh, and then you, because back to you. I, I, there, there is a fund balance and I did hear from the residents and some of them are nodding that there is a desire to have enhanced replacement for those trees and so, and they seem to agree that that is an appropriate use for the replacement of those trees. I think any other testing um, or, or anything else would be subject to our, our general uh, urban for forest plan and we could direct staff to come back um, to dissolve the district. And, and to me, I think that that's trying to balance the, the many different kind of aspects of what's being discussed here and, and finding a way forward that everybody could be okay with. And, and, and oh, I'll go right back to you in just a second. Councilmember Harris Spencer, I tend to agree with um, Councilmember Vela, but I would want to add that the replacement with the enhanced trees must be from the palette that is approved by the city, because otherwise we yes. get into yes. problems. May yeah. I respond? That was my Please. clarifying. Okay, that was your I would want to uh, clarify specifically that it's this uh, page four, four of your attachment that has the planting recommendations for zone uh, seven, or Gold Coast is what it says. That's correct. So that we're specific. Because then in if you dissolve, respect, we, we can might. The, I, on the uh, engineer's report of the... No, it's uh, page four of the correspondence from oh, staff. from staff, okay. But, uh, it's the Gold Coast trees. Too late, my iPad froze. <laughs> uh, but my only concern in regard, so I agree of using the fund monies for enhancements, but I'm not sure. Um, I think that there are still city costs as part of it so th that they wouldn't necessarily pay for all of the tree uh, planting, just the enhancement part out the of the fund. fund. Is, isn't the fund both city and resident money? Yes, my understanding is it has been co-mingled. Uh, however, I th so the cost of the enhanced trees coming out of the fund, uh, if they get enhanced trees, then, then that would come out of the fund. Okay. That sounds good. Do you want to, uh, come on, come on back, Ms. Smith. Just uh, one, cl one clarifying. The enhanced is the size, so it's a 36-inch right. box tree. That, that's what the zone has previously desired and paid for. That's where that cost comes from. So it's not, it is the tree, but it's the size of the tree. the tree. And then just one clarifying point, while we are currently updating our urban forest master plan, which would also include updates to the tree palette, a recent selection from the zone has been the October, oh no, it's on here, October glory. Never mind what I was gonna say, it's on the list. Okay. I know that they had Great been name. selecting that, so I just wanted to make sure that was on the list, which it is. And there's no concern with planting a tree that large as far as its ability to take root and thrive and all that? Obviously, it would have to be site-specific, but I know in 2018 or so, there were a number of plantings of 36-inch box trees that were funded by the district. So that has been the practice in the past to have uh, the funds plant the larger trees. There's not, are there any other costs that the city uh, would 
use general fund money for, or did all of the costs come out of this fund? Um, well, I haven't been able to look at the entirety, but I do know just in the recent past, the, um, the majority of the large size tree is the district's response, has been the district's responsibility. So, if, so do you think there's been some apportionment now that some city money is used and then they just pay for the larger tree, they not pay the, the entire planting of the new trees? So I would want to keep that so that you know the city pays for its part of planting trees, but that the increased value, the increased cost, go to the, from the fund, which sounds like that's what's been happening. Um, so just for clarification, but again, isn't the fund a combination of? Yeah. yeah, I think that's where we keep circling back to. While the district's desire and the sentiment of the MOU is that the zone just pay that delta, you know, the delta. Mm -hmm. But since we've commingled, since expenses are really hard to be like half of the tree is funded by this, so there's been a commingling of funds and therefore the entirety of the cost is by the zone because there's general fund contribution into that fund balance. So we're getting, we're getting all right, general do, fund um, All right, so then I'll accept that as a friendly amendment. So then that's gonna be one motion, correct? Yes. Okay. And then um, it will come back, the third part of the motion is it comes back and then we'll look into dissolving uh, the fund at that time. The, the district. Or the district yeah. at that time. And I'm just gonna ask the city clerk who does an amazing job, but are you able to read that back to us? I am able and I also wanted to point out that um, there is also the extra action of adopting the um, resolution that is uh, finding no assessment. The, the so, no levy, yeah, it's a yeah. separate So I just resolution. wanted to make sure that's incorporated. Right. Thank you, Mayor, Laura. can I make it clear? Are we also, do you want us to come back with the dissolution? So having taken care of those things, bring back the dissolution, we'll do it all as one package where we'll do some budget amendments that you'll have to approve. Um, and budget, so one budget kind of change, and one budget add, and then we'll do the dissolution action at the same time. Um, and then are you gonna give direction on how the fund balance then after that is apportioned when tonight? That comes, I thought we would do that when that comes back, is my understanding. It's one that gives staff uh, an opportunity to look a little farther, further into the history of that, of the, of the fund. Well, I think there, with this, well, there would be a fund balance, and so we can come back with some recommendations for you if you'd mm -hmm. like as part of that action and how to apportion it. And it'll probably be pretty simple. You can apportion all of it that's left. You could do it based on what we have, some ratio between what we've contributed versus they've contributed, or not at all, or probably gonna be the three options. So we can bring those back for you to decide. And, and will the disbursement, does that have to happen at the next meeting? Maybe that's, I, I thought I understood that that's a, first the money comes back to the city. Well, I'm just trying to think of just in the interest of trying to wrap it all up and take care sure, of it, sure. whether or I, not you just wanna do all of that at the same time, but. Um, I mean, I would defer to staff on okay. that. It's not okay. my motion, but. I but okay. those would essentially be the three options for how you disperse any remaining fund balance. Okay. Excuse um, me. Uh, this would be remaining fund balance after the the residents have worked with city staff to identify and plant or at least identify the co and cost out the yep. the replacement and plant trees. the enhanced right. trees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Want to try reading that back to us, Madam Clerk? Oh, uh, Councilmember Harris Spencer. I just wanted to make sure we have the no assessment as part of this. Yeah, yes, I think we, we just okay. clarified that that was added She's included. pretty Thank amazing. You. I don't know how she does it. Well, take <laughs> okay. it away. And I'll second that motion. Okay, <laughs> so um, it's the, the, there will be the testing and then any related uh, required removal um, 
that would be done from the general fund that's not commingled with the zone funds. And then um, for that's the, for the specifically for the 10 trees. And then um, the replacement uh, of the trees would be the, you know, within the list on page four of the handout from uh, the correspondence from uh, the city manager. And um, those enhanced tree expenses uh, would come from the zone seven funds. And then um, you would come back with the ac action to dissolve. And um, lastly, you're approving no assessment. Nice work. All right, we've had a well, motion by- a clarifying question. Okay, okay. Yeah, excuse question. me, Councilmember Daysock yes. or Vice Mayor? Yes. <laughs> Give me a minute to call on you. Okay, Councilmember, clarifying yes. questions. Clarifying question. Um, so did the residents have input into the Gold Coast um, list here? I think you specifically mentioned something about October glory. Is that something that, that the Bay Street residents had given input into? Um, so specifically, I do not know if the residents had input to the 2010 uh, Urban Fort oh, okay. Street Tree Master Plan, which is what this is excerpted from. So I, I don't have that information. Okay. I brought up the October Glory just because I know recently they had selected that as a replacement tree. I see. Okay. All right. I'll just have a comment. You want to make it now? Yes. yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, just my final comment is um, I think you know the motion that we have on the floor it sounds reasonable. Um, I think my uh, point of view is I still believe that the residents should have, uh, uh, must have. Um, uh, input, if not sign off, on the trees that will, the big trees um, that, that were referred to. It's completely possible that the residents are fine with, with, with the motion as it is, um, but, you know, um, I, at risk of being more Catholic than the Pope, um, I think if the, uh, if the policy is that, you know, that, that we have input and guidance from the residents, that, that, it, that should be the case. Um, but, you know, um, I think the, the motion is good, but I'm going to stick with the uh, old policy. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Do we have further questions before yes. we take our vote? I, I do. Yeah. Well, let's count, Councilman Jensen, then back to you. Oh, thank you. I, that was my clarification a, a short time ago. I, I just asked that question and wanted to ensure that, um, to the Vice Mayor's point, that the residents had input on the enhanced re the replacement and um, the choice of trees. And so I think as far as I understand, that was part of the motion, or it should have. Yeah, well, and especially since they're paying, in part they're paying for it, but you want to clarify, Council? So my understanding yeah. of the direction and what we would do is we would consult with the zone on the preferred replacement tree, but that that tree be part of our general palette of the urban forest since eventually in short order we'll be dissolving the district and those trees would then subsequently be maintained by the urban forest program yep. councilmember harris exactly and, and any oh, additional yeah, costs for those trees that are part of the urban forest would be used the fund balance would be used for the enhancement once the district is dissolved council will give direction on how to disperse any fund balance and then ongoing maintenance would be incurred by our regular urban forest maintenance program. But, and just to be clear on that, then it would be administered consistent with all the other urban forest programs in the city. Right, okay. Um, Vice Mayor Daysak. With that specific uh, statement by the um, public works director, um, I'm satisfied that, oh. that there will be input. 
Got it. Okay, Councilmember Harris Spencer. I just wanted to add for anyone listening from home or here, uh, when the tree in front of your house needs to be replaced, the city always does this. They will work with you. You're, they are happy to choose to let you choose which tree is available from the list. Um, so this is not anything unusual. This is the city policy. Okay, we've had a motion, we've had a second. Thank you all for your um, input and your public comment and you've kept it all very civil, I appreciate it. And now at Longline you've heard lots from us, so let's take a vote. Uh, we have a, a motion and it's been seconded. All those in favor, please signify by stating aye. 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 Any opposed? Any abstentions, that motion passes unanimously. Yay. All right. So now we move on to, um, and thank you so much, Director Smith, um, Ms. Accord, City Engineer, all of you. So um, we move on to the items that we moved to the, um, from the ones that were pulled for, from the consent calendar. And, um, I am going to make a suggestion that we just hear item five, Diaz and Dog, um, which is the um, the the item about our newspaper of record because I believe, and apologies to staff who stayed on for the guaranteed basic income, but I believe that that is a topic that requires a fuller discussion and I just hate to start full discussions of important topics at 10.30 at night. Is that okay with council? Madam Chair. Yeah, Council Member Jensen. Thank you very much for that. And I, I, if Council Member Herr, if Spencer hadn't pulled G, I would have pulled it myself because I do want to have a robust conversation about the guaranteed basic income and I appreciate your, um, your support for that too. Okay. Moving it to the next So, one. So that is my, my recommendation. Is that okay with everyone? Do I need a, a motion? I, if you want to continue it to the continued section, you need to vote. You if know you what don't. I'd love to do? Can we continue it to item six? Yes. Yes, because we want to make sure this requires expenditure of funds and to move an item forward. So I do want to make sure we'll hear it at the top of the regular agenda on July 5th. Yep. And we'll have okay? a staff presentation Perfect. and we'll go. We'll kind okay. of almost like more like a regular agenda item. All right, thank you everyone. Okay, so moving on, and so. Um, make a motion to I'm do so that. I'm so sorry, thank you. I do need to make a motion, okay. <laughs> thank you. Did you make so that I'll motion? Move, I'll move to um, have item uh, formerly known as 5G, the, right, 5G? Um, yeah, G. The guaranteed basic income uh, be moved to section six at the next meeting. The July 5th agenda. Second. Seconded by um, Councilmember, um, uh, motion made by Councilmember Bellis. Apologies to our staff who have waited. I here. know. I am sorry. I just, as the hour went on, I kept thinking we might get to this sooner. But um, okay, we've had a motion. It's been seconded. May I have um, a voice vote, please? All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any Aye. opposed? Any abstentions? Okay. Sounds like that one carried with apologies to staff. But we will hear at the top of the regular agenda next time. It's. One of those things about transparency, you want to make sure that your staff and the public at home or in the audience um, has the chance to fully participate. And we've, we've covered a lot. Okay, so then um, we move on to item 5D. Who's presenting that? Oh, you are. It's yes. the city clerk. It's yes. a recommendation to authorize the city manager to execute an, an agreement with the Alameda Center for publication of legal notices for fiscal year 23-24. 
And um, basically, the sun I wanted to uh, let everybody know is here, and they're available to answer any questions as well. They wanted to come and, and be here to answer questions. Um, and the, the sun is higher uh, than the journal, and it has been in the past, but the city council has um, you know, seen them as an advantage of, the, of them being a local business and has therefore awarded the contract to the Alameda Sun. So um, the clerk's office is recommending awarding to the sun again, and we're available to answer any questions too. All right, and so um, who is it? Was it you, Councilmember Harris Spencer, who pulled this, or was yes. it you? No, okay, okay. So would you like to start with uh, your comments? Yes, um, so I don't, um, it was interesting, uh, if, the, if the Sun newspaper wanted to speak, when did they fill out a slip and speak during Yes, Comments but if you had item. like circulation questions that I can't answer or like details about their online readership, that's why they're they're present in order to help out with that because those details are what they know much better than I. So I would seek their advice. <laughs> okay, thank you. So um, when I looked at this item, I pulled it because the circulation for the Sun, that's uh, the annual audit report, shows uh, 2,096 as the total for the Sun. Uh, versus the journal showed 16,048. So um, I, can you confirm that those are correct numbers? Those for are the, the numbers in the audit, yes. And what the Sun indicated is they've moved into a much more online readership platform, and so they have okay. less of that. Okay, and then for the costs uh, uh, for the Sun, for the first uh, insertion, it was $15.25. Second is $12.25. Third is eleven dollars and twenty-five cents, versus the journal is six dollars and sixteen cents for each, regardless first, second, and third, which is less than approximately half or less than half of the cost uh, that of what is what the journal is offering. So, um, at this time and before, you know, sat, uh, so I appreciate the difference of they're they're moving on to a online. Uh, it's my understanding that the online, though, you can't have, doesn't qualify if it's 100% online. There is a requirement in the charter that it be an adjudicated newspaper, which is that, that requirement. That it be a, a delivered, that's what that means. Right. Can you define what adjudicated newspaper means? That one always stumps me. <laughs> and um, So it's got to be a newspaper. It, it, actually, what it says is a newspaper. Oh, wait. I, my eyes are so bad. I need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, let me see. I just can you hold on for just a minute? It's just yeah, adjudicated to be a paper of general circulation within the city. So it's a special process, adjudication process that they have to go and and the the Sun did go through many hoops and many steps to get that adjudication process because for many years, even though they were already printing, they hadn't been adjudicated yet. And I am no expert on that process, so I would if you have deeper questions on it, need some help. <laughs> so then, uh, according to this report, the circulation history back in March of 2020 for the Sun was 23,259. That's on this report? Right. That's the All right. So for me, back in 2020 or 2019, when the circulation was this higher, significantly higher number, um, then I was actually supportive of paying extra for that because I, um, you know, it seemed like it made sense. Now, I actually do not support continuing with the Sun. Uh, the circulation of 2000, I don't think sir, meets our duty of uh, giving public notice. Uh, that These are notices, and you can, I guess I'll ask the clerk, can you share what these notices are? That What is our city's responsibility? 
Yes, so we have to publish notices of all types to bidders, um, you know, of the hearings. Uh, there's, you know, all types of notices that legal notices that we put in in the newspaper, you know, your public hearings tonight, all of those type of things. And, um, you know, there's, those are the ads that we are constantly placing with them. And so for me, the public notice is critical. We've had uh, questions in the past, you know, what, what notice was given and giving uh, published notice in a hard newspaper to 2,000 versus uh, the 16,000. Uh, so at this time, I'm uh, supportive of going well back to the journal. We used to have the journal. Um, and so my motion would be to uh, have, have our public notices go through the journal. Um, so I would not support that motion for a number of reasons. One of them is I agree that public notice is important to people who want to uh, attend city meetings, follow city business. But I would ask, how do we know how many people come to the city council because they read a notice in the classified <coughs> section of the newspaper? I think there's, and certainly from the time that our charter was enacted, um, the delivery of news service and information has changed remarkably. Um, the, and so people get here, we have so many different ways, online, social media, um, the people can receive email notifications and the agenda. And I also think it's important to support local businesses. We talk a lot about that from this dais and here's a chance for us to put our money where our mouth is. And also, I think we should all be alarmed at how small independent newspapers are fighting for their lives these days. And a, a community is really harmed when there is not a news source to report on local, um, local events. And so I certainly appreciate the sun um, all during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, I was writing um, a weekly column for the newspapers and, and in the journal too, to be fair, they and, um, uh, and now with the Alameda Post. But the, um, the Sun, I think that they've really covered local issues. And when I look at the Sun, it's all local. When you look at the Alameda Journal, and I'm not, you know, I'm not denigrating them, they're also a, a small newspaper and they've shrunk over time. But the amount of Alameda news in the journal is is fractional, whereas in the Sun, it's pretty much all. And I also, and this is my last point, but I really would put it at the top of my reasoning, is the city clerk recommends awarding the contract to the Alameda Sun, and it is her office who um, has this interaction and, and um, relies on them to be accurate and timely with the notices that they publish. So um, those are those are my feelings. Other thoughts from the council? Um, and uh, Councilmember Jensen, then Vice Mayor Desog. I have a question for the city clerk. W what is the budget for publication of notices? It's about 50000 a year. So, and that's across the department. So it's not super high. So that would be for either, that would be the max or about what it would cost for either. Yeah, it would be probably like more like 30s, you know, lower. For um, Okay, and um, I just wanted to, I was just doing a little research and um, according to the California Supreme Court, a, a, an adjudicated newspaper can have as few as 40 subscribers. So it's, there's really not um, 
a need to have a huge subscription list, but it is important that it, it does require that it be local and it provide local news, as, as you pointed out. Okay, any, um, Councilor, I mean, Vice Mayor Desai. Oh, yes, uh, thank you. Um, yes, it is true that the Alameda Journal um, goes out to roughly 16,000 um, households. Um, uh, but, you know, when you look at the Alameda Journal, um, and, you know, it's a great outfit, East Bay Times, um, Bay Area News, great outfit in terms of, you know, their reporting, et cetera. So, you know, we definitely don't want to knock them and the quality of service um, that they do. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, um, they, they at most have maybe one and a half pages worth of Alameda news in there. Um, whereas when you get the um, <coughs> Alameda Sun, you know, you get, what, 10 to 12 pages, color pages of Alameda um, information, news, opinion, editorials. Um, but you also get a lot of, you know, on so many of those pages, advertisements of local businesses who are hanging their hat on the Alameda Sun. Um, so, you know, you know I, I, the way that I look at it is, is, is you know, I, I, I weight the 2009 versus 16,000 by, you know, number of pages. 2009 times 12 times 52 gives you a certain number versus 16,000 times one and a half times 52. I mean, maybe, maybe the Alameda Journal number is still larger, but when you look at it from that vantage point, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying as much to, um, to take into account not just quantity, but quality. Um, uh, and, you know, there's something to be said about supporting a local, really local <laughs> business. Um, but again, don't get me wrong, you know, Hats off to Alameda Journal for, for, for the work that they do, the East Bay Times. But likewise, hats off to the Alameda Sun for the work that they do in terms of reporting. So um, for, for that reason, um, I, I will continue to support Alameda Sun. So, um, Councilmember Harris Spencer. I just wanted to follow up in regards to the Councilmember Jensen's question. Uh, the budget is currently 50000 Is that what... Yeah. Um, this expenditures. So if we were going to go with um, the $6 versus the, are most of them three runs? Two, some, no, I would say not the majority, but some are two uh, and sometimes three, yeah. Okay, so then it, if I'm looking at this correctly, it would be half of the budget if we switch back to the journal. Yeah, I, I was just trying to remember the last time the journal had it. It was about 30-something, but we might have been doing more ads at that time, so I might not be, yeah. Well, if it's $15 for the sun and $6 for the yeah, it, journal, it could be 25. Yeah. if it's the same number of ads, then it would be less than half. Yeah. If it's we just haven't one. used them in a while, so I, did, I don't know the exact So I have a question. Do we have a second? I know a motion's been made. Is there a second? You know, I'm not seeing a second, so that motion dies for lack of a second. Do I have a motion to um, approve the recommendation of the city clerk to authorize city manager to execute an agreement with the Alameda Sun for the publication of legal notices for fiscal year 2023-24? So moved. Moved by Councilmember Vela, seconded by Vice Mayor Desog. All those in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 All those opposed? No. The motion carries four to one. All right, thank you. And with that, we come to the end of the, um, because we've moved our other um, 
agenda item, uh, consent calendar agenda item two, the next meeting item six. So we move to item eight, city manager communication. City manager, Jennifer Ott. Great, thank you very much. Um, just wanted to talk, Caltrans has started their big project uh, on Encinal Avenue yesterday, removing the asphalt and repaving the road. This work is in addition to signal and other upgrades that enhance safety for pedestrians, wheelchair users, and bicyclists. The work covers the stretch of NCNL from Broadway to Sherman and will continue through spring 2024. Caltrans is doing a great job minimizing inconvenience, but please use extra caution in this area. Um, because of this road construction, the 4th of July parade route has been changed to turn onto Central Avenue at Grand Street. Streets will begin closing at 7 a.m. along the parade route the morning of the 4th, so please plan ahead. Um, the parade starts at 10 a.m., but the 5K run of the parade route starts at 9 a.m. Registration is still open online, but the run will sell out at 1,500 participants. So the run <laughs> benefits the Midway Shelter of Alameda, which provides 26 beds and a range of services for homeless women and children. So register online and join us on the 4th. And the last thing is just to um, disclose and just be clear that AMP's electricity rates will be increasing by 7% on July 1st. Um, still on average about 30, 37% lower than neighboring communities. Uh, AMP is a community owned and locally operated electric system which means that they don't make a profit on rates and the revenue from electric sales goes toward the operation of the system and back to the community. AMP offers financial assistance programs for qualifying customers and a number of incentive and rebate programs, and you can read more on their website at alamedamp.com. Thank you. Thank you, City Manager Ott. And then with um, next we come to item nine, oral communication non-agenda items. We do not have any more speakers. Okay, and we'll close oral communication then on item nine. And we have council referrals is next, but we have none. And so um, we will go to item 11. I'll let the rest of the council go first, council communications, because then I will um, announce my reappointments and appointments to various boards and commissions. I guess boards this time around. Um, who's got council communications? Councilmember Jensen. Thank you. I am. Um, I'll start with today, where I went and um, joined. I, I spoke to the to the Chamber of Commerce board, and um, they were very happy to know that we are recruiting police officers, and that for the most part, the businesses recruiting coming to Alameda. There was a lot of good information. I also um, visited one of our businesses in Alameda, which is the United States Tennis Association, the Northern California uh, section, and they are out on at Harbor Bay. They have about 40 employees and they're doing a great job supporting tennis. I mentioned to the city manager that they actually provide grants for um, resurfacing tennis courts. So, And they're gonna have a pickleball announcement, a policy announcement very soon. So that, that'll be something to look forward to. I am the vice, the mayor and I, and the vice mayor uh, went to the Firebrand Cafe opening and enjoyed a great, great event and great Definitely great food and bread. I joined Councilmember Herrera Spencer at the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society's awards ceremony to identify some beautiful buildings and, and extensive remodels, especially that used historic historic design and um, our local architects and designers. So that was really interesting. And um, 
I was honored to be a judge for the 55th Annual Sandcastle and Sculpture Contest. And finally, I attended with a number of my colleagues, the Alameda Dem Club Summer Mixer, a number of other, other um, elected officials in Alameda County. And I'm gonna end by saying that I, um, as your representative to the Stop Waste, Alameda County Waste Management Authority, the environmental leadership that is going on there is really tremendous. And their most recent awards, they, um, there were several awardees from uh, around Alameda County, including uh, Fremont Unified School District, which has been led by students to do environmental awareness in the community and especially at school sites. But um, what I wanted to mention was that there was a, an award for um, a Livermore Plumbing and Water Heater Company, which received an award for helping homeowners to transition to electric appliance. Barnett Plumbing and Water Heaters in Livermore has created practical and innovative solutions to help homeowners opt for all electric heat pump water heaters instead of gas water heaters. So it's really great to see these small businesses being recognized and helping their communities to um, reduce the carbon footprint. And now I'm gonna share with everyone um, an insider's guide to healthy living and reducing waste. Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Jensen. Vice Mayor Daisuk, we'll just go across the. Nothing? Okay. Councilmember Vela, nothing for you. Councilmember Jensen? I, I'm sorry, Councilmember Herrera Spencer, it's getting late. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, so I would like to uh, share that I attended the community BEAT, B-E-A-T meeting for my neighborhood uh, that our police uh, have. And there was only one other community member there. Um, and there were two officers, and I want to thank uh, APD for putting that on. But I want to make sure that the community is aware of these meetings. And if you go to this, if you Google City of Alameda Police, and then it'll show the web page for the department, police department, and you scroll down, uh, then there's a part that says Community Beat, B-E-A-T, meetings. And that is where you can find out when you're, and this, the city's actually improved that page. They have a little map that shows the different zones and, or beat numbers, and then you can see your beat number and see when the upcoming meetings are. Uh, so I wanted to make sure everyone is aware of that. I also wanted to make sure everyone is aware that you can also Google City of Alameda crime and then look at crime graphics and it is another tool that uh, APD has online where you can look at the crime that is occurring. Um, however, some of you may know that there have been some carjackings in our town, and there's not a category for carjackings. However, if you look at the categories and you go to robberies, then, and just the robberies, then these little green flags show up, and if you click on the robberies, then you might see one that the title says carjacking. And so that is where you find carjackings. Um, and so I want to make sure everyone is aware of how to use these tools and take advantage of meeting our officers at the beat meetings, using this crime graphics tool so you're aware of the crime that is occurring in Alameda. And I wanted to share that because um, I want to uh, be as transparent as possible with our community members so that you all then can uh, try to take uh, appropriate steps uh, uh, and what you think is appropriate to um, 
reduce crime and to not uh, become a victim of crime if at all possible. So I wanted to make sure everyone's aware of those, and I really do want to thank APD for putting all this information out there and making themselves available for these BEAT meetings. So that's all I have to share today. Thank you. So quickly, um, I also attended and spoke at the Firebrand Cafe opening, and we're just really excited about that business opening in Alameda. The bakery has been opening, but been open for a while, but now the cafe, the owner, Matt Kreitz, hires in, uh, individuals with high employment barriers, meaning formerly incarcerated, formerly unsheltered. He even has an office for Five Keys, a nonprofit we're working with at Dignity Village. They're in the premises. Um, it just, it's a great place, and they're They've been really popular. I've been there a couple times, and it's just been full, and families with young kids, because there's an outdoor area and a play area. So go visit Firebrand Cafe um, and Bakery. And um, count, um, city manager Jenna and I attended the Alameda County Mayor's Conference last Wednesday evening, I think, in Berkeley, and also the Homeless Working Group meeting before that. Um, the mayors of Alameda County are working to address homelessness. I'm proud of what we've done in Alameda, and we're also helping to um, harness some of the county resources. And for instance, we talked about um, best practices for dismantling encampments. And um, anyway, we are stronger together. I attended the um, ABAG meeting, so did Councilmember Jensen. I, I'm a voting delegate. She, she attended to, um, to attend. And um, we, we approved um, ABAG's work plan and budget for the coming fiscal year. It was the first time in over two years that we had met in person. I took the ferry over to, um, the, to San Francisco and just walked the nice 15-minute walk uh, down to the offices of ABAG and MTC. And um, but also, I hope you all caught a really nice article in the San Francisco Chronicle, um, J.K. Janina real estate writer talked about the launch and some other developments along the northern waterfront and how much Alameda is doing to add affordable housing to our area. And so then um, I'm going to move right on to item 11A, and that is my um, reappointment of our poet laureate, Kimi, is it Sugioka, the hard G, Sugioka, Jane Chisaki's giving me the nod. Um, you know, uh, Jane and I discussed this. She was appointed and then the pandemic hit. And so she never, she's very talented, an amazing writer, but she never really got the chance to be out in the community and do the kinds of things she'd like to do with community members and youth and schools and all that. So I was happy to reappoint her. And then tonight I just want to announce my nominations, just name it a brief thumbnail sketch of my um, nominees for the Library Board and Social Service Human Relations Board. And I have to say, this is one of the most fun things I get to do as mayor. It is time consuming, but I get to interview with staff, whoever the staff members who staffs that particular board or commission interviews with me. And we, we meet these amazing, talented residents who want to share their time and talent with the city. So for the library board, we interviewed four individuals for two positions. I told um, Marlon uh, that I wanted all four of them, but we had to choose, so we chose Anita Battle, who is, um, she's maybe currently, or she's definitely previously been a board member of Girls Inc. of the Island City. She is a consultant and public speaker in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she told us a kind of a poignant story that 
She um, lived in Alameda when she was growing up. She was in the 60s, and her parents really loved living here, and they were ranchers, and they wanted to buy. But they were in an African-American family, and they just found it impossible to buy a home here. So she was thrilled when some years later, actually during an economic downturn, she was able to come and raise her son here. And she um, just talks about how libraries create equity by minimizing the digital divide. They enhance self-worth, imagination, and goals provide a communal space for cities to build cultural humility, provide benefits to all community segments. I could go on, but she is awesome. And my other awesome nominee, who you'll get to meet next time, well, um, this battle's gonna be out away on vacation. I told staff, it's the summer, people are traveling, but our city clerk will make sure that they take the oath of office before the, the first commission meeting, uh, border commission meeting they have. So our other nominee is Deborah Gibbons, who is um, actually both a teacher and librarian with the Oakland Unified School District, and she has done so much in the Oakland Unified School District, and with the um, libraries there, she has raised two sons in Alameda who were prolific library users. Now the youngest one is in college, and she's ready to give back to the community, and we're just so ready to have her time and talent. On Social Service Human Relations Board, we have three openings. Um, at the recommendation of staff, we are reappointing, and I'm happy to reappoint the two incumbents, Gerald Bryant and Diane Yamashiro-Omi. And then Cindy Pyle is our third nominee, and she is um, very um, well-versed in a lot of the areas that Shrub handles. She's a trauma-informed therapist. She has worked with domestic violence victims. Uh, she has been a group facilitator um, and just talked about, you know, she's really followed the, the work of Shrub and staff was really excited about the contribution she could make. So at our next meeting, you all have an opportunity to um, meet my nominees and vote on them. And I'll also have a whole slew of other um, nominations to introduce. And with that, this, I thank staff for your time, all the public who um, listened and contributed, and lots of good work on the part of the council. Thank you all. This meeting's adjourned. Have a great evening. Drive safely. Good night. Thank you.